0: I create life
1: and I destroy it. celebrates all movies from the sublime to the suspicious. As always, I'm Lindsay Wilkins and this week we are looking at the beauty of artificial al- artificiality. I cannot say that word and that was going to be said a lot in this movie because we are looking at later era Wachowski with Lana and Lily's Jupiter Ascending and Lana's Matrix Resurrection. And here with me to figure out who owns Earth and... Who was Keanu Reeves, really, I guess, or post, post, post um modern when it comes to uh Matrix Resurrection, is one of the co-hosts and probably creators of the amazing Star Wars podcast Imperial Scum. It is, of course, the amazing Chris Barreras. Hey, how's it going?
0: Lindsay, I am so happy I'm back on. Um, I uh I love this show. Um, I listen to every episode, even if I'm not on it. Um, I like. I think you do a great job, so I was I was super excited, and you picked a hell of a double feature for me to watch.
1: I, yeah, I try to pick because I know you're very busy, so I like to pick movies that I think you've either already seen or would have. And I and when you said you love Jupiter Ascending, I was like, "Hang on, I feel like Jupiter Ascending, he's most likely gonna like Resurrections." And you just like sent me a photo of like your two 4Ks. I'm like, "Well, yes,
0: I <laughs> am. I am a huge fan of the Wachowskis." Um, I've seen all their films. Um, I love them or hate them. I think that everyone is is a showstopper in terms of what they're able to do oh, with visuals, and not always with script. But I've loved oh, more their movies other than the ones that I don't like that much. And even the ones I don't like that much, like oh, Cloud Atlas, for example, I still think what they were trying to do is impressive. Even if the movie didn't work 100% for me, I know it works in many ways for a lot of other people.
1: That's the thing that I love. The more movies they make, yes, they come more decisive, but they become way more specific. And the more specific they mm-hmm. get, it's whether, but you just have to, it, there's something about it that even, yeah, because I am a little bit cold on Cloud Atlas. It depends on the segment I'm in. Like there are certain ones that mm-hmm. I adore, Same. some that I'm which is like any kind of anthology, and that's the structure of, of Cloud Atlas. But the way that they're able to put their imaginations on screen feels almost like they're doing, they're getting away with something, and also also it's an impossibility. The fact that they almost broke, um, is was it James Pope, the cinematographer for Bound and the original Matrix movies? Um, yep. When he, they basically told him what bullet time was and he had to go, wait, what are you trying to say? That's not possible. And then he had to work and then him and the effects team had to figure out a way to bring what the Wachowskis wanted to life. And they did it so perfectly yeah. that it is now part of our lexicon of how we describe certain things so it's even if a movie a Wachowski movie doesn't work for you and i admit especially when we get into (laughs) actually both of these movies which i do love dialogue isn't i mean think of it like james cameron i mean i do have a james cameron episode well a movie that james cameron will be involved in an episode coming up. he's exactly the same way technically absolutely amazing and then you'll hear some of that dialogue and go Ooh, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head, didn't yeah, you buddy? Yeah,
0: like, <laughs> when we get into Jupiter's Ascending in a minute, that is one of the few, like, a oh, full disclosure, I love Jupiter Ascending with all of its flaws, but there are, like, the things that I have an issue with are mostly related to the dialogue. Yes. Where I'm like, I don't know if it's, oh, the line reading or the line that uh, was on the script, but I'm like, err. Oh, but again as you said it's very similar oh, to Cameron where it's like when he was he was a writing on Rambo 2 and directing and writing on Aliens like oh, there's a few lines in Aliens where you're like really like and, and I love Aliens but it's like and they're mostly out at night and mostly it's like what <laughs> what are you talking about no one speaks like that
1: or in Terminator 2 again an amazing movie, but the whole um Linda Hamilton narration monologue about saying how the Terminator is now becoming his father figure, and I'm like, "Yeah, James, we got yep. that. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I, 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 we didn't need that. <laughs> we didn't need that narration. But thanks, I got that just in case. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, and I think the Wachowskis are very much the same. I mean, yes, when we get into Jupiter's Ascending, I think. There's a very specific performance which I think wor- wor- works because I think Eddie Redmayne knows exactly what movie he is in.
0: Um, oh, I can't wait to talk about the oh, Eddie of this. Movie.
1: The Eddie of the. And I'm not even a big Eddie Redmayne fan, except when it comes to Jupiter Ascending, because he is just like, oh, you want melodrama? Oh, let me serve it. Um, and that he, is
0: <laughs> he's doing something that needs to be studied in yes. like acting classes.
1: He does. Like I don't know page. if it's
0: a. I don't know if it's a positive or a negative, but I just know that I was in from the first scene he showed up in until the end. And I was like, I don't know what I just watched, but I dug it.
1: Yes. No, me too. Um, And there's a variation of performances of people trying to lock into Jupiter ascending, say more so than I think uh, Matrix, which I think everyone generally knows what their piece is a little bit more than say Jupiter. But before we get into that, the resu- especially Resurrections, the Resurrections of Imperial imperial Scum is amazing. And you getting angry oh, you. at the thank fact you. that the Wookiee, uh, I don't even know what um, Chewie's last name is, that Chewie's family has a nicer kitchen than you do for Life Day is one of the, f- I nearly fell over laughing. Just your <laughs> vitriol.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, for those unaware, uh, the show's been out oh, for three months. Um me and Mark Risman and Andy Gorham, who uh, you've had on the show before Um, we've uh, earlier uh, around April, May, we started uh, 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 tossing around the idea of doing a relaunch of my old star Wars podcast that I had back um, before the pandemic even. And um, I wanted to do it because I miss being on a show on the regular. And, and I kind of owe it to you. And Matt Bledsoe from Film Feast, um, because uh, like oh uh, you guys have had me on a couple times now, and, and it kind of it, it reignited oh that spark that I had in terms of um, of podcasting. Like I had done a couple episodes um, of Adkins Undisputed uh, with Mike Scott, um, and I. At the time I hadn't been on a podcast in probably like two years. And Mike is such a gracious host. He is that he put my nerves at ease. And I remembered how it's or what it's like to be on a show that I that I love doing. And so like if Mike asked me, oh today do to a wake up at two in the morning, or to record with him, I would do it in a heartbeat. Oh, me too. And then oh and then oh, because of his episodes, I was on Film Feast, um, I with Matt a couple times, and then on your show a couple times, and Cobwebs with Daniel and Preston, and it kind of just it hit that spark again where I was like, I want to get into it, but I'm super busy. Um, I work in retail, so I don't have like a a traditional a nine to five job. So how would that work? And I talked it over with Andy because and he's my internet twin and i was like i, I want to do this show with him and then i and, oh but also i was like i i want to do it uh, with mark who was on the show in the old run as well and so we started a text chain just the three of us to kind of get like because i know andy i know mark but they don't oh, know each other and within a couple hours, I was like, "Oh, this show's gonna be good because no, they geez. have the same sense of humor They're and their there. chemistry was just a spot on. And then we did a practice recording in like June or July and just to get like all the kinks out. And within an hour, I was like, we got something special. because Andy and Mark are able to have that chemistry that can make or break a show. And then, oh, they trust me enough to host, which is awesome. And then we started recording uh, our first episode and I learned how to edit again, all thanks to Matt Bledsoe um, who taught me how to edit and the a response to our first Oh three episodes. We don't get huge numbers, but the just, uh, Oh, the feedback and response to the show has been overwhelming. Like I get comments oh from you and Matt and and James Coddington and like all like all these people who I look up to at, as podcasters going, dude, man, the show is great. And I'm like, is it? I just like hanging out with my buddies and talking Star Wars. And then a oh, mark is hysterical. Like, you know, for anyone that listened to the holiday special, that thing oh, with the chewy head bump. If you've listened to the episode and you'll understand the joke, it broke my brain. <laughs> like I found it so inventive that I didn't have a way Oh, to respond to it and then oh your comment in the discord about oh the chewy kitchen thing yeah i like i listened to the episode after it came out and i was like oh i did sound very pissed off about <laughs> something so stupid such as oh the like oh chewy's home in the star wars holiday special if i was nicer than my apartment and i was like we're fucking morons <laughs> like all three of us are just stupid
1: that's kind of the thing but i love we- about it it's <laughs> it's because everyone takes star wars so seriously like it has to be there was a i'm sorry for giving voice to this, a bit there was a dumb thing about this dumb guy who said girls don't like star wars which is so dumb because he felt uh, yeah. he, that he owned it and could kind of define it when it's like no it's no one knew what star wars was going to be when they first made it george lucas didn't have a plan i don't care what anyone says like no one yeah. had a plan Even in the new trilogy, there was obviously no plan. So it's, and that's fine. And you guys don't take it seriously. I mean, you do the Chewy head bump joke. You, I mean, you can tell you obviously care about this and this means a lot to you, but at the same time you get pissed at the fact that Chewy has a nicer kitchen than you do. It's dumb because the holiday special is kind
0: of dumb. Like, oh, it's it's, awful.
1: Yeah, I mean, for anyone who's
0: listening to episode three of the podcast, we take that thing out, In the back and shoot it in the back of the head. Like we we destroy that thing. And even Andy, I'm proud of the fact.
1: (laughs) He did. Yeah. I was waiting for that, but I'm going to say something I like and he never did.
0: I'm proud of the fact that Andy's been on all these shows now, like over the last year or so. And he's always positive, even on something like And the Expendables Four, he's positive on. (laughs) And I like, I texted um, and Rob Antequera, I was like, dude, I got Andy to break break and be negative. And he goes, I don't believe it. (laughs) And on the Star Wars holiday special, we broke Andy. Yeah. Andy was finally going, no, guys, this is bad. And I was like, I've won. I have done something that no one on the internet has been able to do is break Andy Gorham.
1: And And I love
0: the dude. He's like my brother. Like I talk to him literally every day. (laughs) and i was still proud of the fact that i got him to be angry about something for a change
1: well yeah i mean that is the the star wars holiday, holiday special is kind of this perfect kind of of its time wait star wars is a hit it's a, not only a hit it's huge i mean this was like 1978 huge. 1979 when it came out it was like the filler in between it was we 78 to, yeah 78 so we have to have something in between before we can get empire made what's popular on tv variety specials like they were a huge thing okay let's make a variety special but because they even the people well no George Lucas says fine yeah I'll make some money I'm trying to do this we'll keep the whatever the fans are starting to scare me let's just keep them thing they didn't know what Star Wars even was so they were just throwing weird oh yeah people like the, the Wookiee character let's do this let's have weird Wookiee porn like it's it is so sort of bizarre it's, and
0: it's fucking bizarre. It,
1: <laughs> that you get this thing, and everyone's just like, "Oh, we need to bury this for years." Oh, wait, did Bubba Fit? Fett- no, Bubba Fit never came from this. He was not an animated character riding a dinosaur. I mean, it's seriously it- just it- people who are making as Mark described thing. it. Yeah,
0: as Mark described it in the episode, it's a fucking fever dream.
1: Yeah, it is, which is kind of why I kind of admire it in that way because I'm just watching it going what the hell even in terms of variety specials this is insane they are just like going hey the kids like this let's just do that and poor harrison ford is just like you can see the chick in his hand going can i leave now guys can i leave
0: yeah but but so far like oh doing the show is always a highlight of my months it Um, it
1: should be it sounds like
0: oh like oh we're sitting down to record episode four which is just going to be just just a recap of like all the star wars news of 2023 something um you know something real short because we're trying to keep the episodes to around like an hour and some change and then of course um our first episode was basically like oh super long like here's why we're doing the show kind of thing and um oh you sent me a very sweet message and said that it almost made you cry um and then our second episode was our ranking of the of the prequel. So that ran like over two hours, you know. So we made it a point on episode three to do the holiday special in and out. God, I think thing was like an hour and 10 minutes. Mm. So we're trying to keep them on the shorter side, but then we still have to rank, you know, the OG trilogy and the sequels So, so that's going to be like over two hours again. Yeah. But it's just me hanging out with two uh, of the best friends I've ever had in my entire life of talking about Star Wars, which is my all time favorite thing. Like it's a fun time. So if any of your listeners have not listened to the show just look it up on Spotify or any podcast service um and I hope I hope that our positivity is infectious and that oh, we make you laugh.
1: No, I think that's kind of uh, recording a podcast for me has felt like many it's my favorite, it's my highlight of my week when I get to record because I get to talk to these amazing people about movies that they find interesting or at least like, and just general shooting the shit, but it also is kind of a release. It's not like a therapy session exactly, but it's a way of just getting something out. And you can kind of tell when you're doing that with Star Wars, but you're just hanging out with your friends and talking about something that you like. So no, it's a wonderful show. I I love listening to it. It just makes me so happy because I get to listen to some of my favourite people talking about some of their favourite things. So, um, And then listening to Andy be so upset because he can't find anything to like about the holiday special. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. Um, (laughs) But now getting into uh, a pair of directors and then her her solo effort of, again, era-defining filmmaking because, especially watching when we get into Resurrections, uh, Lana is really dealing with some stuff like she is trying to deal with a legacy that i don't think she wanted <laughs> exactly and now she's just trying to pass together what it is but now we're just but first we're going to be doing um, of course jupiter uh, ascending which is just pure amazing artificial gorgeous anime fairy tale so as i like to imagine we're sitting in the theater the curtains are opening chris what is going to be your trailer for jupiter ascending
0: so I'm going to start this off by saying that the director of the movie for the trailer is problematic. And I think he is a terrible person. Um, I, like, I just want to put that out. But mm-hmm. the trailer I chose is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. This mission is a simple in and out. Agent Valerian, you'll be running solo. I only work with my partner. Hi. We're a team. Let's go. Many minutes late. Yeah, well, time flies when you're having fun. Welcome to Alpha. The city of a thousand planets, where for hundreds of years, every species has shared their knowledge and their intelligence with each other. It's paradise. Amazing. it
1: blows my
0: And the reason I chose it is because of stylistically, I just feel like they are companion films in terms of they put every single scent that they have on screen. They have two leads who you wouldn't, and or, or, or they have lead actors who you wouldn't think would be in a big a sci-fi action film.
1: Or work as well as they do. Cause I'm not a big Dane DeHaan guy. I kind of like him in this movie. He's not. Same. Yeah.
0: He's, he, he, he kind of has an, he he's not up to this level. So before anyone jumps in the comments, but he has kind of like a Han Solo kind of swagger charm to him,
1: but not quite there, but some reason it works. Yeah.
0: But it works. And like, um, O'Kara and Delavine, I've always found to be a little flat sometimes in films, but she's like super charming in this too. And just like, it's that movie that I like that, I equate to um, oh, the Matrix sequels in regards to oh, the technology at the time far exceeded what was available. Yes, and yet the uh, directors and producers and crew said, "I don't give a fuck. I'm going for it, anyways."
1: No, I and mean this
0: isn't this isn't yeah as as bad CG as like a hundred Agent Smith fight in Matrix Two. Where it where it's obviously CG like this this and Jupiter sending uh, the CG holds up in such a way that you are transported to these worlds outside of some green screen issues <laughs> in Valerian but and again the director is a terrible human being like I want everyone listening to know that yes I I, I understand I recommended a Basan film but take him out of it and I still think that of Valerian is an entertaining movie with some great special effects and two charming leads. <clears throat> Excuse me. And some solid action.
1: Yeah, I mean, Luc Besson is a garbage person and probably should have been arrested by now, even though I don't think he has been. I think he's been sued a number of times. He has been, re- he's always really good at visuals. I mean, Fifth Element is probably the best example of this as a movie that yeah. kind of takes a visual style, runs with it, and also it far exceeds the... Um, visuals at the time, you're just watching this and going, "How did he do this?" Um,
0: Valerian and again,
1: has, yeah,
0: I love the Fifth Element as well, and I love it. Oh, knowing that a oh, Luke Basson is a fucking trash fire human being,
1: but we do that a lot. I mean, I still like Rosemary's Baby. Speaking of trash fire human beings, so it's kind of, and I do yeah.
0: like,
1: <laughs> I do like a lot of his movies. <clears throat> um, speaking of trash fire, and though it's kind of, I think. When you're talking about do you watch a trash fires work, it always has to be a personal decision because you're always going to have certain rules that you allowances that you have. And I think Valerian is still mm-hmm. a really strong movie, and that I'm also working talking about everyone else who worked on that movie who did really good work. I mean, there's a way he uses this artificialness to create this kind of space wonder world that um, mm-hmm. I think really works. It feels very tactile. It feels um, really, really, really cool. I'm looking at this going, yeah, he used, I mean, I know this was adapted from a comic book and I think Jupiter Ascending just came out of the imagination of the Wachowskis, which I just, to sit sit down and have like a five minute conversation to see how their brain works would be amazing, but um, yeah, no, he's really good at adapting really amazing visuals and that French sensibility. So no, I think this is a perfect trailer. I thought of this because- And also- it, Yeah, it, it's kind of, they do fit together really well.
0: And also, like I just looked them up, they are shockingly similar in, in the fact that uh, a Valerian cost one hundred and seventy-seven million dollars, a Jupiter Ascending cost one hundred and seventy-six million dollars, and they each opened to eighteen and eighteen and nineteen million dollars.
1: Yes, and now have become weird cult classics. Like, yes, I mean, so just, it, yeah.
0: So it's it's kind of weird in that regard that. Two films that I feel are kind of like a companion piece or to one another, not in plot, but in terms of like feel and style, cost roughly the same and open to a roughly the same, and are only separate, excuse me, are separated in terms of of worldwide gross by like just under forty million. It's 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 yes. really bizarre.
1: Yes, it is. I think these are kind of movies that always sound like people want, but when you show them in a the theater, people go oh, I don't know what that is, and it you look at it and it's kind of a confronting movie because you're seeing all this artificiality, unlike, say, something like going back to Star Wars where everything feels very lived in. These ones are very shiny, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, I don't know why exactly Star Wars got away with its um, sincerity and sentimentality when Jupiter ascending, though Valerian's a bit more sarcastic and a little bit more... Kind of um, world weary. Um, yeah, it, it's a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more tongue in cheek. I don't know why everything else doesn't hit, but Star Wars maybe because it was. It's not the first because Lucas had his references, so I don't know why Star Wars always seem to get even. Actually, no, now it doesn't. Like when it tries that same thing, people call on it, but that first movie got away with it so hard that everything else can't almost. And I think that's a really interesting way of looking at a space opera Mm -hmm. but yeah um but no perfect perfect trailer um i'm also going to go big well i'm going to go more fantasy um but i'm going to go for matthew vaughn's stardust from 2007 excuse me have you seen a fallen star anywhere
0: we're in a crater this must be where it fell yeah this is where i fell you're the star you're the star really (laughs) oh wow
1: You've seen stories of magical worlds, (laughs) wicked witches,
0: (laughs) flying pirates, and dashing princes. But never has there been an
1: adventure quite like this. Everyone's talking about a fallen star. When I find her, the glory of our youth shall be restored. This is the part where you tell me who you are and why you're up here. We're just trying to make our way home. Touché. You
0: better be telling the truth, you two-faced dog.
1: I can get you one of them, actually. Very good guard dogs. They can watch
0: the back and the front door at the same time. Enough. Where's the girl? You have seconds to live. Uh, oh so uh, good i'm so, so glad good. he. i'm um, so glad he brought this movie up right now
1: yeah charlie cox uh claire claire danes uh, michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer is playing a witch who needs the power of a star played by claire danes to become youthful um which is a very big plot point in jupiter ascending um this mm. movie is a magical oh, good, good call yeah um yeah yeah it's, wow, well done, Lindsay. Robert De Niro is playing a queer man who actually, no, he might be wanting, he might, I don't know what Robert De Niro character is. Love that he played it. I think he did it well, um, even if he had too much of a smirk. Uh, but this movie is just delightful. It is just pure joy. Uh, it's based on a novel by Neil Gaiman. Um, it is pure fairy tale, and I don't think it made that much money when it came out either, So, <laughs> and a very expensive movie. But I adore this movie to death.
0: I absolutely love this movie. I saw it in the theater's opening weekend. And since I watch it every year, it is one of those movies where like, if I just want to smile and have a great time, I put on Stardust. Yes. Um, And knowing that, oh, Charlie Cox has now grown into playing one of my all-time favorite superheroes ever on screen and doing a great job. Like you look at him here and it shows his acting range where he's just, he's kind of goofy but still really charming yeah charming and when he when he makes the transition into oh the hero the film you totally buy it because oh the script is so tight and every character along the way is so well done that you believe everything And, and and like oh again to speak of Oh, companion films. I see this as a companion piece of Princess Bride.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. This it is has good. that yeah.
0: same kind of like, it is a pseudo self-aware of the fantasy aspect and taking the tropes and kind of tweaking them on their head a little bit, but doing it in such a fun way that I I still think it's Matthew Vaughn's, um, his best movie. I don't think he's been able to top it no, uh, and I and I don't think he will. I know that there's been a lot of like, um, what what's the term, like a look back at the Kingsman films and saying that they're bad. I still enjoy them quite a bit, oh, despite more like of the problematic aspects of the it, scripts.
1: Yes, I think I still really like the first one. I'm still a bit iffy on the second one. I have not seen the third one though. I do want to because it's all about Rasputin.
0: So I saw the third, and I think the problem with the third is that he was he he was trying to do too much in terms of the prequel setup. There's not as many action scenes as the trailers. Yeah. I would make it appear to be like there's only about three. Okay. But it's like a two hour like a two plus hour movie. It's much more of a character piece.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Um, I think it's the weakest of the three in my opinion. But in terms of Matthew Vaughn I like I, I, I can't pick anything out of Stardust that I don't love from top to bottom.
1: Me neither. Like
0: it's just, it's so funny. Oh, the effects still hold up. And it has that oh, cliche trope of, oh, the guy, he meets the girl and he falls in love in a couple days.
1: <laughs> yes, but, but the it's movie's done
0: so well in this, you can't help it. It sets it. Is so good that I'm like, I would fall in love with her too.
1: Yeah, like, and the thing is, it kind of sets that up from the beginning. This is a boy who falls in love very, very quickly. Because he's fallen in love with sienna Miller, you can tell him within five minutes. And she's just she's
0: terrible. She's and she's terrible. dating a young
1: Henry young, Cavill.
0: unrecognizable Henry Cavill.
1: Not buff Henry Cavill yet. This is not a he no. has not put on all the all the all the muscle yet. He is no. He's a, no, he's a thin this boy from
0: like the tutors yeah like we're like he has my build
1: yes yeah he's he's quite they, oh, you look
0: at him now and he's like <laughs> oh my god he's a god
1: yeah he's absolutely a god <laughs> though they can't i have discovered now by watching reach season two they can be too buff
0: oh alan richardson my oh, dude alan richardson calm
1: down we we don't need you to be that big
0: yes <laughs> I, we do I, yes we do in defense of all meatheads Oh, yes, we do. Oh a my shout God. out to Liam O'Donnell.
1: I, I, I get it, Liam O'Donnell, and I get it, but that, it's just, the man cannot fit through a door. You see him having to switch to the side to walk through doors, and just like, oh my God. It's so great, <laughs> so great. Yeah, I mean, the cast is insane. It's, it's just, it sets everything, yeah, it might be, it sets up every cliche to feel natural because we are in a fairy tale. And I think Jupiter Ascending, maybe not as successful, because I think Chan and Tatum, takes it t- a touch too seriously and he is i cannot take that goatee any kind of seriously but <laughs> i mm, my well no, no i don't hate goatees it's just that the blonde i don't know it's weird i find it weirdly distracting. an
0: albino werewolf i just totally bought it that i flies. was like fuck it i'm in there i'm has in
1: wings. <laughs> And or what did have wings? He got them cut off. Um, so, yes, but everything is set up beautifully. It is an amazing movie. If you've never seen it, please watch Stardust because you'll just be smiling for two hours. Like it is you, it is just everything works. It's it's a fantasy that knows it's a fantasy much like uh, Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, we are going to get into a movie I do adore. Like I've already like taken shots at it. But this, I mean, that first shot... Of Jupiter, when you're kind of looking very early on in the movie, which is like doing those establishing shots, holy shit! That is the most one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Like it's. Make sure this is the right one. It's her. Good.
0: Kill her. Who are you? I'm here to help you.
1: know what in the hell
0: is going on. It can be difficult for people from underdeveloped worlds to hear that their planet is not the only inhabited planet.
1: Your Earth is a very small part of a very large industry.
0: I think we might have stumbled into a war with some of the most powerful dynasties in the universe.
1: Why is this happening to me? You
0: are royalty.
1: We need a plan. We need firepower. It's absolutely stunning.
0: Like you have to admire the fact that the last couple of Wachowski films had not done that well at the box office. Nope. Like, uh, *The Matrix* three is well known to have been kind of a bomb.
1: Actually, um, it, I uh, no, I so actually, how much did it cost to make? Because I did, I know it made the least, but it was still made. Money, I maybe just not as much as they let me just look that up. I because I honestly Matrix 3 is my least favorite just because I can never remember what happens in it. Okay, yeah, I made 400, uh, 400 million out of a 110 to 150 budget. That's probably with advertising counting for inflation, that's maybe breaking even nowadays.
0: Yeah, see, but also considering that part two had opened up six months earlier. And had at the time oh, broke the record for R-rated opening and made like eight hundred million. Yeah. So they went from that to Cloud Atlas, which didn't do well, oh, considering how much it cost.
1: No, and the weird thing about the the Wachowskis is
0: that. Oh no, I'm sorry. After Matrix Three, they went to Speed Racer, a film I adore speed I love, racer
1: oh i love speed. I, was to, I was trying to watch it again i just didn't i ran out of time because i had to do some other prep so well, i ran for, out of time to watch speed racer again
0: are your listeners for peak or oh, behind the curtain is it was going to be a oh, oh, jupiter ascending and speed racer yeah. or the matrix 4 so oh Lindsay left it up to me and as much as i wanted to talk about speed racer i had to talk about the matrix <laughs> i understand completely so they went from speed racer out of cloud atlas to jupiter ascending and warner brothers still just kept handing them these huge huge amounts of money to make these movies
1: well well, at the same time um, at the same time they were actually not all of it because i know they had to independently fund jupiter and cloud atlas like there were parts of it they had to go to other people to, so they're kind of half independent movies, um, yeah. which blows my mind considering they're almost $200 million movies. No, I can see what you mean about The Matrix. The first Matrix made the same amount as Revolutions, but on a $68 million budget. Um, the mm-hmm. uh, second one... I made, think that
0: Warner Brothers was just yeah. hoping that they would capture that lightning again in terms of the box office. Which they which did look, Which if you look at how Warner Brothers is running their studio now, I mean... Uh, not a lot has changed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They've always had Where... to do that. And <laughs> when they don't do that, they get angry and they are not release their movies. Um... And then, like,
0: like, oh, despite all, uh, like, all of that happening, and oh, we'll get into it. Then, oh, they let Lana go and make a Matrix Four. Which is a giant fu to Warner Brothers, and they still approve the script, anyways.
1: I know that is crazy to me because, yeah, as we'll get into, Resurrections had a specific line of saying we're making the Matrix for with or without you, which is something they said to them. That. that is something that had been reported, um, and then it ends up in the movie, and they went fine. Um, that yeah, is fuck it. that fuck it, D- just do it. We don't care. It feels like it feels like no one was watching Lana. Actually, with any of their movies, <laughs> no one was paying attention to. Even though this was a hundred, nearly two hundred million dollar movie, no one was watching what the Vishalskys were doing when they were making because
0: Jupiter, there, because there's no way, there's no way that a studio exec goes, "Wait a minute, you cast Sean Bean as a half humanoid who does not hun- die." I half kept- honeybee, yes, whose name is Stinger, yes, Stinger and they didn't have notes and thank fuck they didn't because that's the type of lunacy that makes this movie so charming to me if someone saw the dailies of eddie redmayne going i need you to find my mother and then just kill her and no one was like wait he just won an oscar and this is the performance that he's giving and you guys are okay with this yes because it's Eddie Redmayne and I'm just going to talk like this for the entire movie outside of screaming at the I top of his Piz- live
1: and I take for it for no apparent
0: reason whatsoever <laughs> it is mesmerizing oh my god like,
1: it's like yeah i mean
0: as- on twitter and max deering he put it the best way that he goes eddie redmayne is hush and scream acting, and I'm here for it. And I was like, Max gets it. Max understands what Eddie is putting out there, yes. which is sheer lunacy.
1: It is. I mean, he, okay. Um, I mean, this is a movie where Chetton Tating plays a albino werewolf thing. Humanoid. Could, humanoid. that at one point had wings and could fly. In fact, he gets his wings back at the end of the movie. and But fly.
0: he air roller skates. yeah and it's awesome.
1: And yeah, no one watched the dailies and or read the script and went, "Um, so can we talk about this, the flying skating thing? What is happening? So, I mean, I can understand why no one was paying attention to the matrix. I mean, they had Joel Silver, I think was protecting them. And he's always been one of the, he's always, for as much as I could criticize Joel Silver and probably the amount of cocaine that man has done over in his lifetime. It is
0: <laughs>
1: just watch true romance and then you'll understand. I'm pretty sure that that's the one that he's um uh riffing on. Uh, Tony Scott, it is in Quentin Tarantino. It is he took the Wachowskis, realized that they probably wouldn't do well in a full like a full blown studio system, which I don't think they do because they're going to get hounded every single time. And these are very quiet sisters who keep to themselves, they don't do many interviews, so you're not, yeah. He- you don't get access
0: to them no even in like like all the extensive and making ofs on the matrix films they are not in them all that much and no. when they are they and when they are they look and sound so uncomfortable with being on camera that they want their work to speak for itself
1: yes and that's what they keep saying i mean I, you look for interviews there aren't many and it's usually blana she's seems to be then lily she's kind of the more I
0: lo- and then like when oh, the matrix of resurrections it came out and she was like on the red carpet her energy was so enthusiastic yeah because it was almost like and and again I'm not out to jump ahead but she was using of oh, the matrix 4 to deal with a lot of heavy stuff in her personal life she that was. it feels like it feels like like this weight was lifted off her shoulders and i feel like especially in jupiter ascending and matrix four, why i think they work so well in terms of a double feature which is why i went with them as opposed to speed racer is they're about love very much if you look at the mate if you look at the wachowski's overall work if you look at the matrix one two three not really in speed racer all that much because that was an adaptation of a child's anime
1: and they really but, needed to focus on that corporate espionage which is one thing i love about speed racer
0: oh cloud atlas and jupiter ascending and sense eight and the matrix resurrection especially it's Sense8, about, yeah it's love yeah that love can change your life in a way that you aren't ready for we'll and change... it also shows up in in the oddest places yes. is oh neo wasn't looking to be the one and he found oh he found oh the love of his life oh jupiter ascending Oh, jupiter says i date all the wrong guys and then she ends up oh, falling in love with this half albino a wolf character who she literally who he tells her i have more in common with a dog I you
1: know, do than i do a human
0: human and, and she responds and this is one one of my small issues is i love dogs but then <laughs> after he leaves the room because it's an awful line of dialogue it is she she goes and laughs at herself and goes, "I love dogs." Like, what the fuck was I thinking? So, so again, the Wachowskis are so self-aware that they wrote that line of, "Well, I love dogs," but they were self-aware to be like, "You have to have her a comment on the fact that she just said something so fucking stupid."
1: I, yes, I mean, and that's the
0: genius of Lana and Lily.
1: It is absolutely genius. I mean, okay, spoilers, Titanic will be coming up and there's a line when Bill Paxton is looking at the Titanic on the on the bottom of the ocean floor and he's doing this massive bullshit about this, mm. you know, it is the majestic thing. I can't remember the exact line. And his assistant goes, you are so full of shit. I mean, Cameron does this as well. He's aware that his dialogue is stupid. <clears throat> and same with the Wachowskis. But what I love about Jupiter, Jupiter ascending, um, and it made me sort of question why it is in young adult love story. And I... Very I, much
0: so. And I don't Very much think, so. And
1: this is not my favorite genre. I will not... That's not something I usually gravitate toward. But yet, because it's the Wachowskis doing it and doing it in their own voice, it is something I suddenly respond to. Like, I almost put Twilight as a trailer and I don't think that's an unfair comparison. I just think... Ooh, it,
0: oh, that would have been an excellent pick. and And yeah. Yeah, like it would have.
1: Yeah. And it's... Not saying that Jupiter Ascending, I mean, yeah, Jupiter Ascending is sentimental as all hell. And it is taking oh, me while it to wears re-
0: its heart on its fucking sleeve. It's so obvious in what it's trying to do.
1: And it's taken but me yet decades to go, I that's not a bad thing. If a movie wears its heart on its sleeve, that is not a bad thing. That can be an actual good thing. That can be a thing of like, yeah, this movie's giving its heart to me. I should and if it's done in a way where I'm responding, I will give my heart back which is Jupiter ascending. Do I giggle it? So like, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I love it.
0: So, so the Chowski's oh, first film is bound, which I didn't see until way after it had come out.
1: Again, a love story.
0: i be again. See what I mean? Like, and then I saw the matrix opening weekend twice in one day. I saw it that Friday twice. It, it like, if you've heard me on, on podcasts before or read my tweets, or The Matrix was one of those films that changed my life. Yes. I had been a Hong Kong action fan, and I hadn't seen anything in America capture that same style outside of John Wu films. Yes. And seeing a wire work and martial arts mixed with a sci-fi, which is my all-time favorite genre – done in a way that you hadn't seen before set to a techno kind of EDM soundtrack with one of my favorite actors of all time playing his typical Okeanu move, (laughs) but then taking all these elements and making it into a, a masterpiece from then on, I was in on the Wachowskis. I've seen every single one of their films in the theater since I, I was one of the few people who went opening weekend out oh, of Jupiter Ascending?
1: You were that. You were that. Like, you were you were the person that went.
0: I was. I was one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was the one person in the theater, and yeah. I saw it. And I'll, I'll, I'll totally admit when I first saw it, I was not sold on it. Oh no! I was it's, like, it's oh, a very
1: in your face movie. <laughs> yes.
0: is. I was like, no, like I don't know if this works for me. Um, I liked the effects. I didn't like some of the characters. And I was, at the time, obviously stupid and didn't appreciate what Eddie Redmayne was throwing down. And I was like, wow, what is this movie?
1: No, that man realizes he's in a young adult soap opera and he is playing the villain. Therefore, he needs to do a certain thing. And he's never, never done it then or since, but in this movie, he got it and I love it.
0: And it was one of those things where I had seen a Cloud Atlas opening weekend as well. And I was like man oh two movies that don't work for me oh maybe i'm like kind of over the wachowskis and then in the lead up to the matrix four i i had never seen it up until um i like the lead up to it is mike scott again i'm not to bring up mike again is he told me and he goes dude you have to watch all of sense eight trust me sense eight is fucking magic it is pure and simple it is beautiful On a level that I was not prepared for, and it made me appreciate so much more of the Wachowski's work that I went back through and watched all their films. And I appreciate so much more of the Matrix sequels, like I'm a defender on them, and so much more of Cloud Atlas and so much more of Jupiter Ascending because of Sense8 that if I don't care what Lana or Lily, a writer, direct, I'm in. On day one, I don't care what it's about. They will have my money and they will have me sitting in a theater because I think they are so unbelievably talented as visionaries and writers and directors that you have to support them even, even when they swing and maybe not hit 100%. Like on Cloud Atlas, I I own that movie on Blu-ray because I just want to support everything that they do.
1: I mean, Cloud Atlas was meant to be an unfilmable book. That was, which is why it's only everyone kind of circled around the book and went. As a book, it completely works because you can do that structure oh, yeah. so easily in a novel because you can have all these multiple ideas on the same page. Where there's a movie, you do have to do it slightly differently. But Wachowskis did the book. I mean, I may not love it, love it, but they did. They, they did it. It's like. I don't love the BFG, but every single time I watch Steven Spielberg- Spielberg's the BFG, I'm like, oh my God, he did the BFG. I mean, the movie falls yeah. apart after 20 minutes, but he did it. he, he It's like when he did the dinosaurs, then, he, he actually did it.
0: And then one of the reasons like I'm so in on Jupiter Ascending is we like as a culture, especially on like social media and Twitter, we always complain about the lack of original ideas and IP, that it's always just a franchise film or a superhero film or a Star Wars film. And I know that's ironic coming from me, but I see that every day is people yes. going like it's just the same old shit over and over and over again. And and this was the Wachowskis in 2015 creating their own idea, which they hadn't done oh, since the Matrix because of, because of Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas were adaptations of other IP. Mm, yes. They were coming up with an all new original story and idea and character and world that they were going to make, and oh, the rumor leading up to it was oh, was, oh, this was gonna be the first part of a trilogy. And I was like, wait a minute, dude, the first Matrix trilogy fucking changed my goddamn life. Of course I'm gonna be in for this. And watching it the first time, I'm like, I, I wasn't expecting it as you so, I succinctly put it, to be kind of a YA novel. Yeah. With with a budget that would feed a small country. Yeah. I didn't expect That's that. Ridiculous. but looking at it now i don't mind that angle because the action is so fucking good and so cleanly shot because of the wachowskis know what they're fucking doing when it comes to action
1: and the young adult kind of romance is and storyline is suits the story because this is about a young very ordinary girl though it's kind of Mila Kunis so you're looking at her going you are a strikingly beautiful woman and you look like you come out of an anime which is a that, very Wachowski thing she's tiny and that is one guys. of the
0: things that is one of my issues with it is a oh, Mila Kunis saying in the film she can't find a date and she can't find the right guy and I'm like if this was any other actress I probably could have bought it but it being her I'm like really
1: yeah, her eyes are just really? perfectly sculpted. Just the way her eyebrows, down her makeup, she always has like perfect eye makeup. And I'm like, you would not get that dolled up to go and clean another house. Like, I, I,
0: But also like, what I like is that like, normally of that character in a movie like this would be of the skeptic.
1: Yes, she is in and, within a minute. Like she doesn't even ask as a question. As soon as
0: she sees him and his ears and he explains what's going on, he's like, She's in. She goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. There's no like, well, I don't believe it. Even though she has a photo on her phone of aliens and yeah, I mean, she just saw this half human half wolf guy. Oh, take out a squad of whatever the hell they are. She's just like, Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. Yes. On. I'm a queen. I'm the re- she fully. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am oh, the reincarnated and mother of a thousand year old and Royal family who two of them are trying to kill me and one of them won't stop of soft talking to me. I, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, what, the, what the
1: fuck? What no one looked at the script and I love the fact, I mean, this movie they got away with something, but yeah, it is supported. She is kind of the chosen one. She is the um, princess. She's a Luke Skywalker. She's a Luke Skywalker. She is the princess of the Disney movie. She, I mean, especially in that goddamn headpiece when she's about to marry, um, what's his name? Which is kind of like, Dude, I mean, I know your final, like, kick line is I'm not your mother, but marrying She's your... still
0: marrying her, her son? Son? Genetic right? son? It's no. It's kind of fucking weird. <laughs> it's kind of fucking weird. She's in love with, oh, the dog boy, Channing Tatum. Ch- Channing Tatum. Who, his abs in this movie, by the way, sorry. I'm uh, uh, not to look at Channing Tatum like a piece of meat. He's not jacked in this movie. He's in shape, but his abs are superb
1: yes he is, very, out he's, there. he is hot girl fit in this movie it's not like hot quite like when Div- he's he's um uh in all oh, the stripper movie magic mike movies when he is actually fit yeah because he is having to do defy gravity with his dance moves this one he is just happily hot boy uh hot girl fit and that is he his abs don't need to do anything in this movie well he does a few things but you know what i mean
0: <laughs> but then also he does so much of the action yeah. like you see it like like in that first big action scene in, in the alleyway outside of the um of the clinic yes he's up on wires
1: yeah no, shooting it, down
0: it, it is not a stunt double it's not like the cg face mapping or anything like that it, it is him he commits to this movie
1: no he even talks about how the fact that they would use a lot of practical stunts instead of CG. So he was talking about, no, I was there on wires. We had a stunt crew doing a lot of the lot of the stuff. It's not c- CG, which I kind of love how the Wachowskis like that wire work aspect. They've always loved it, so they keep putting it in their
0: movies because it makes I, a lot of sense in this film because yes. he's on fucking air roller skates.
1: Yes, he's skating around in the sky, and it's fun. Um, no, but when I remember when the matrix came out i had a friend because i uh, for some reason i was just like i don't know what this is like i didn't watch a lot of hong kong movies i wasn't a big sci-fi person at that time so i was just like not sure of it i had a friend try to explain to me what it was because she had just seen it and her mind was just had melted and i went that sounds dumb but then she dragged me to go see it the next week it's like no 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 you have i don't know how to explain this without you sitting there and i just remember sitting there my jaw just proceeding to drop Closer to the floor, especially when you get uh, Morpheus doing the ex- explanation with the TV of what the Matrix is, y- you just f- you felt your brain melt, and you're like, "Wait, what? We're in the computer? What?" Um, which makes that Zoolander joke all the more funnier. Um, it's,
0: it's. What are we ants? Are we ants?
1: <laughs> is this a really good answer? Really good? Um, no, it is. <laughs> so it. When you're kind of, when someone explains a Wachowski movie to you, you, you which is why Will Smith did not take the role, because he said, Someone explained to me what that was. And I went, That's dumb. I don't get it. Which, to be fair, if someone explains the Matrix to you when you have no understanding what the Matrix is, it's kind of what are you talking it's about? It's why there's Lunatic. a line of
0: dialogue <laughs> that Morpheus says, and no one can be told what the matrix is or you have to see it for yourself
1: how many times do the buchowskis have to say that in a pitch meeting <laughs> you cannot paint, you have to see what this thing is i don't know how to describe this thing in words um
0: and and again you- that goes to jupiter ascending where yes th- they have these and fantastical worlds and humanoid aliens mixed with animals Where like one of the pilots in the climax is an elephant like a human elephant thing who literally does the noise, like as the ship is almost crashing, Yeah, like there is robot. There's literally a scene where they go through an intergalactic version of the DMV, and she calls it out as that is worse than the DMV. It's like a five-minute sequence, and yet I cannot take my eyes off of it.
1: Oh, my God. I think that's what Terry Gilliam shows up, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, There's something in Brazil. of the visual aspect of it. I'm just yeah. blown away.
1: It really is. I mean, the ro- the design of the robot is amazing. It kind of, it's, I mean, the way that, smi- that he smiles when he's trying to bribe the, the, the alien. But yeah, this is a movie about not letting genetics define you. Like, you are not your genetics, which, again, a very I, Wachowski idea, who are trans women. So, yes, that is how they are going to see the world and how... Mm-hmm. And you can be more than your genetics. And you can fall, you can be a clone of a thousand-year-old alien being falling in love with a dog boy. Um, I mean, this has Sean, as we said, Sean Bean plays a part B called Stinger because bees recognize royalty. I mean, that scene is on the on the page is so dumb. And yet, when they when I'm watching, it, I'm like, oh, it's beautiful, cinema. I love it. It's there is this dichotomy with the Wachowskis. Where if you say it, it's like, "What are you talking about? That is the dumbest idea I've ever heard." You see it on screen at the way they execute it, you're like, "Oh no, that's that's amazing. I, I love the fact that the bees are swarming around her, and that's how you know she's royalty." I mean, I
0: ridiculous, don't know how it's ridiculous, and fucking I love it. ridiculous. And yet, I'm like, "That's a beautiful shot." It is. As she kind of has like her arms outstretched, and the bees are kind of like floating around her, I'm like. Damn, the Wachowskis know how to fucking film a movie. They
1: really do. They absolutely do. They know how to mix the practical with the special effect. They've done it since Bound. I mean, the way um, Bound the camera moves in and out of the apartments, so this kind of a, everything is kind of connected and fluid. And then it's all about um, these two women kind of falling in love with one another, and it's sexy, and it's all about piping, and like it's, it's so sticky and feminine. Um, and then you get the Matrix which is almost like Jesus fan fiction, but in this beautiful, sincere way. Oh, Oh, way- yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's done in a way where when Neo in the trade station gets up, kind of says, okay, to, for this moment, I have to accept that I'm the one, otherwise Agent Smith wins. And he's beating the... Again, you read that on paper. It sounds like the worst thing ever. I mean, I had a friend try to describe that scene and I'm just looking at her going... What they made a movie out of that? What? Uh-huh. And she, she didn't know the Hong Kong references or the anime references either. So she's just trying to go beat by beat. And she couldn't have said, oh yes, because they're referencing a carrier that they love um John, the movies of John Wu. We'd only known uh face off by that point. We didn't actually know who John Wu was. So it's this kind of <laughs> the Wachowski's think on a higher level than most people. They are kind of up here when we're all down here and so they can take these very simple elements i mean jupiter Ascending is convoluted like all their movies but yet very simple um it is a love story between two people yet it is about these aliens who grow planets to harvest them so they can have a youth serum and that's how the that's what their empire is built out of it's a essentially a corporation uh, Eddie Redmayne talks about business and shares and market value quite a bit for an alien.
0: For everyone that complained about the Star Wars prequels and their politics, we get like that in overuse in Jupiter. Oh, my God. And, and yet I'm like, OK, it actually fits this world. And what I, I, I think if this movie has one major flaw, it's like they were obviously setting stuff up for oh future films. yes. That we sadly, because as a, as a society, we, we let this movie down, we failed and it bombed. So we're never going to get any more is that they set up stuff to be closed out in future films yes. because they I I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I have to assume that they thought this script is on the level of of, of the Matrix and look what we were able to accomplish with the Matrix in making sequels. yes. Sadly, it didn't work out, and so we're left with a movie that has some unanswered questions and some plot points that don't ever get resolved. But I'd rather have the film as it is than oh, not have it.
1: I think that's how they got away with it because they made The Matrix, and no one understood The Matrix. I think if it wasn't for Joel Silver, they would have never gotten it made. They only made it for they made it for a mid-budget movie that made four hundred million dollars. So it kind of and, and, and launched a money.
0: worldwide a, a phenomenon that changed yes. cinema.
1: Exactly. Much like Star Wars. Um, but so I think every time they sort of were trying to explain something to a lot of people who were giving, going to give them money, they just went, so like the Matrix, and they'd probably just go, yes, like the Matrix, and they would get money because they knew that's what they understood. They might not understand and, the concept they're talking and what's about. what's
0: so funny is if you look at their work, since of uh, the Matrix uh, revolutions, they were doing everything they could to get as far away yes. from the Matrix as possible.
1: Oh, when we get into Resurrection, Speed Racer. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> so, so literally, of uh, the Matrix uh, trilogy is three R-rated action films. They went to Speed Racer after that.
1: They monkey. did a one hundred
0: and eighty-degree oh flip to Speed Racer.
1: A monkey and his best friend. <laughs>
0: Then Cloud Atlas, then Jupiter Ascent. They were trying to get as far away as they possibly could from the Matrix. And then they did Sense8. And then, as we'll get into it later, Lon- Alana was basically dragged into the Matrix 4, the but King I think screaming. it works.
1: Yes. Kid no, like- There's. we'll get into it. There is an, ang- uh, an anger to Matrix 4 that I think works.
0: Oh, very much so um very much
1: because so. she's reckoning with her personal life with everything and she's putting it all into this movie and i think it works jupiter ascending i think is them having fun um i don't because they, they, yeah they said oh we could do another trilogy but this is the farthest thing away i mean yeah there's sort of s- certain themes and ideas they like to play around with um what is reality does your body define you um, what is reality? Which I think, again, Jupiter Ascending is very much playing with um, <clears throat> because those first 20 minutes of Ascending are really confusing. It's some of her reactions are bit Like, why is she taking the photo of the aliens um, doing stuff to Vanessa Kirby? I was like, oh, shit, Vanessa Kirby's in this movie. Um, and all these kind of things. And some of her reactions seem kind of weird. And it's got this fairy tale beginning. And then once she heads um, over to Stinger's house, That's all that first action set piece when she's with Channing Tatum after having her, again, she's having her eggs harvested. This is very much about genetics and what Mm -hmm. we're made out of. Then it starts to sort of make sense as the movie goes on. But those first, that first act is really confusing. I'm like, I'm like, okay, so what movie am am I in? You're throwing all these things at me and I don't know how they piece together until- It's very
0: similar to Cloud Atlas and The Matrix 1. Yes. And the fact that you you are not, how do I word this? You're not going to have your hand held, no, in their films. I think the closest they've had to ha- to a holding someone's hand through a film is Speed Racer, yes. Which obviously, given given it's an adaptation of a child's anime, makes sense. But even if you look at the films that they were. Involved in outside of that, in a producer capacity, whether it be OV for Fendetta. Oh, yeah. Or Ninja Assassin. You don't have your hand held in that movie. In, not in, in either of those films. You are dragged along for the ride. Like, as soon as you sit down to a Wachowski film, strap the fuck in. Yes. Period. They are not a creators who want to explain everything to you they want you to understand it on your own on your own accord which is why uh, the matrix trilogy in particular the first one has spawned how many philosophy novels oh my god because yes they, they want their work to be seen by everyone and anyone and taken take what you want oh from each film and that is what it means to you. They don't want you to be like. Here's the message of the movie. It is very vague in that regard. In terms of all of their films, I think outside of Speed Racer and Bound.
1: Oh, I but would say Matrix there, Resurrections. I think Lily has a very specific point she's making. I don't think true. she's not holding her hand about it, but she's got a. She, yeah, she's had that, some. She that, has things to that say. Is, yeah. That is a,
0: that is that is almost definitely true. But oh, Cloud Atlas is here. Oh, take what you want from this. Oh, movie. yes. It, 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 it has the romance. It has the action. It has uh, the philosophical aspect of what would you do to stay young? It has wild alien creatures. It has superb special effects. It has all these elements that, uh, that, uh, that again, if you look at their work of the Matrix trilogy, has all those same kind of elements that that, like that like oh the love story is a small aspect of all three but it's in there and it's hugely influential on four it has the action it has the uh, philosophy it it has it has the question of in the first matrix do you believe in fate and neo says why or and neo says no and, and morpheus responds back with why and all Neo says is because I don't like the idea of not being in control of my own life. Yes. And if you look at that and you look at Jupiter, very similar. Oh yes. She, and- doesn't, she has a fate that is to be this queen of this galaxy. And what does she do? Repels against it. At the end of the movie, she's not sitting in some tower on another planet in charge of, charge of a galaxy. She's, She's the owner in quotes of Earth. And what is she doing? Hanging out on a rooftop in Chicago or making out with her half dog man. Yes. Cause cause that's all... what that's what she's able to accept at this time. She's he... not willing to go all the way yet. She might in the future, but it's she's not there yet.
1: No, I love how I love at that. the beginning all she wants is a telescope. That's all she wants.
0: Because and... she wants to reconnect with her father who passed away, which which uh, which A parental death is a is a theme of this movie and especially in the matrix four which i will get into but she's trying to reconcile with the fact that she didn't know her father and this is the only way that she can see to connect with him. And, and i think that ties into why she's so willing to accept and go on this ride is because it brings her a little bit closer to her father who she never knew
1: exactly and so she wants to look at the stars and the galaxy, because that's what her father loved, and the reason why she's called Jupiter in the first place.
0: And then so by the so fucking good. How could people not like this movie?
1: I know. And then by the end of it, she owns Earth. She is a queen. She is regal. And yet, and so but what she is tried, she still doing?
0: She's still cleaning toilets with her mom. She's still
1: cleaning toilets with her mom because that's she's still she still has a family and she keeps reminding characters of that. Look, I get you want me to do this. I have a family at home I have people who I care about I have a she's life.
0: willing to marry her quote-unquote a genetic son who she doesn't trust to ensure that earth is safe that yes. her family and everyone else's family is safe she's willing to put aside her personal feelings towards a wolf boy yes because it's obvious that she's she's attracted you... to him.
1: From the get go, she sees him and but goes. From I like the get
0: go, she is she's thirsty as fuck in this movie. <laughs> yes, good lord! But you know what? They have really damn good chemistry. I like
1: the chemistry. I don't always love Channing Tatum's performance because I think he's a little bit too self serious. What the movie is, but those them. and you know what? Channing Tatum's like six. what's probably six foot, five foot nine to Mila Kunis is like four foot (laughs) and tiny, tiny But you know what?
0: I think Channing Tatum, yes, his performance is very stern. Yes. I don't want to say stiff because that makes it sound like I'm speaking of it in a bad way. But I think he understands the assignment in regards to everyone around him is going to 11. Yes. So he reigns it back and plays it straight. Because he knows that everyone else he's he's not able to match their energy. He's gonna be the straight so This guy. isn't him in twenty-one or twenty-two jump street. Yeah. This is him going like, Okay, so I'm gonna have a scene with Eddie Redmayne where oh, he's gonna talk to me like this and just <laughs> he's automatically in just,
1: this situation.
0: <laughs> right. So he yes. knows he's seen the dailies. He's done scenes with Eddie going like, Hey, um, so does anyone else realize that Eddie's just kind of soft talking? Yeah. No? no okay, no. Well, well, fuck it. Oh, fuck it. So he plays it straight and it works.
1: Yeah, I love the energy of all three siblings. Like, I, I mean, you could get, I mean, it's. I I get the argument that this movie is a little repetitive because Mia Kunis meets a sibling, an aged sibling. They kind of give their lie and then she kind of figures it out or kind of goes on to the next one. But I do have to admit, I love... Tupper, Tupper, Act. not say her name. Um, Tuppence Middleton's performance, who's also doing soft spoken in this as well. Like she's also half whispering, um, but in this very delicate, almost school teacher way of explaining about, look, you can have all the time in the world and look how beautiful I am. Where it's just not telling her that she's bathing in the harvested remains of human beings.
0: And then you look at what Douglas Booth is doing (laughs) and then ready as Titus and Douglas Booth is doing like the old silent film a version of a twirling your mustache. Where he is so obviously holding a neon sign over his head going, I'm the fucking bad guy, I will kill you and relishing in it. He is chewing the scenery. There's a part where he tells Jupiter like, I understand if you don't want to marry me, I totally understand. And then he turns away and has this, the smuggest smirk on his face. And when she goes, wait, it's like, he goes, I'm evil. (laughs) He puts his hands on his hips practically. And I'm, oh, Lindsay, Lindsay, I want to tell you, I am so in the bag for this fucking movie that when he does that smirk, I was just like, Can we give him a post Oscar now? Because this is fucking spectacular.
1: I mean, yes, it is. The first time I watched it, I really hated his performance. I was just like, okay, he doesn't get what he's doing. He's not doing what Eddie Redmayne is doing. He can't do it. No, he's doing, he's just doing a different version of it. And I love it. But I think he's doing it on
0: purpose because he knows that he can't be the, I'm going to talk like Eddie Redmayne at all no he's got to be more phlegm flam- i'm i'm flamboyant i am the he's bad the middle, guy he's
1: the middle like, child he is, like he's doing making.
0: shakespeare in the park he is with, with high school kids and he's like i am acting
1: yes that's what he's doing yes he's so he is ca-
0: <laughs> he is he's doing oh the counter of eddie redmayne and yet they're both so far at 11 that i wouldn't change a fucking single thing in either of their performances
1: no this movie is going to it has a
0: trio of so over the top al pacino levels of chewing the scenery villains and i'm relishing in it drinking it Down like it is an ice cold glass of water on a hot day.
1: I know, to the point where Mila, by the end, and the whole refinery is falling apart on Jupiter, to the point where Mila Kunis is just looking at Eddie Redmayne and going, I've had enough of this bullshit. I am beating your ass. And I love it. And she says,
0: I am not your mother. And I'm like, You're goddamn right. You're not. Beat his ass. And then what does he do? I'm still your son.
1: just like oh my god you are so such a these heroes not to, these, oh those are so pathetic
0: i love it they just and not to bring press to the razzies because we all know that the razzies suck ass. yes the fact that eddie redmayne was nominated for this performance shows that the razzies don't understand cinema
1: no they don't they do it because there's a reason why people who get nominated for an Academy Award will sometimes get voted for a Razzie. It's about attention seeking. Now, yes, do I think the Academy Awards do the same thing? Oh, fuck yes. But I think the Razzies—the whole point of them existing—is to get attention. So they're going to pick things like Eddie Redmayne, who clearly knows what movie he is in. He is—he—he he knows exactly what he is meant to do. Everyone in this movie—I mean, Sean Bean—I love Sean Bean so much, and the fact that he actually stays—and there is. Movie, just but he knows <laughs> and, exactly. And what so he's many like.
0: actors in Wachowski films go for it. Yes. Look at Hugo Weaving in the Matrix sequels. Mister,
1: are you telling <laughs> me
0: that Hugo Weaving in the rain in the mud pit talking to Neo, going "Why, why, why do you persist?" is not on the same level of Eddie Redmayne. Scream acting.
1: No, it's exactly the same. I mean... They're the Wachowski- in the same
0: field. Wachowski's, if you look...
1: Oh, my God. The Wachowskis love pretty leading actors. That is very clear from all their movies. They also love an amazing character actor. That is what Eddie is playing. He's pretty and he's a character actor. Hugo Weaving, the character actor. So, yeah, they're exactly in the same sandbox.
0: Like, look... I'm trying to think. Look at trying to pull him up too so i get his name right uh, i don't want to mess it up where is it look at roger allman in v for Vendetta or speed racer he's in the same exact range as eddie redmayne in jupiter ascending and hugo weaving in the matrix yeah. sequence. oh he is they are in the same thing and what and douglas is doing in cloud atlas for all your listeners, I want you to look at his performance and then look at Jonathan Groff as Smith in The Matrix 4. Are you telling me that they're not in the same
1: doing the exact sport, same thing? Like, the Wachowskis and Neil Patrick Harris
0: is in that same snidely whiplash I'm evil acting with the eyebrow up.
1: Yes, which, Neil Patrick Harris is amazing thought at doing about it. that, by the way. What Star Trek I probably Troopers? thought about He's...
0: it way too much because I'm such a fan of the Wachowskis, but there's so many themes and acting styles and performances and effects and moods and shots that permeate through all their films. Yes. And in the last year or two, leading up to The Matrix 4, when I went on a Wachowski binge and watched all their work, is when it finally clicked for me, why I think that Jupiter sending, yes, it is not a five star movie, but it is one of the most entertaining rides that I've had in the last couple of years.
1: It zooms by. This movie is so and Speed cool.
0: Racer, which at the time, I'll admit, my first time that I saw Speed Racer, I didn't like it. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Because I was so in the bag for the Matrix films that seeing them do a PG. A speed racer adaptation i i didn't understand what they were trying to do there was when i went back and watched it they were trying to show look we can do this r-rated super violent film but we can also do something that you can take your kids to there's a and they're so committed to the material speed racer Mm -hmm. is a perfect adaptation of that material no one else could have done what they did with speed racer
1: no absolutely not um there's like the when i first watched speed race i was very confused and then i think halfway through there's something about how christina Ricci Ricci takes off her jacket and it's done at a weird frame because that movie was done at like a half extra speed or something they did something with the camera work that i don't know how to explain um and she's walking toward the car and then they just went oh i know what they're doing they're doing straight anime and I admit I still need to see more anime, but what I have seen from anime is that everything's exaggerated, um, and and
0: Tending is literally influenced by anime.
1: Yeah, and so I much seen... of what
0: the, so much of the of the Wachowskis' work is influenced by anime.
1: And from what I've seen, anime, I think that some of the newer ones can be, but anime does not have a tradition of being subtle. You watch something like a, I always mispronounce it, a care. Um, The motorbike one in Neo-Tokyo. I always mispronounce it. Um, That movie, even though it is... Akira. It is insane. It is mind-bending. It takes me a minute to figure out, okay, this is literally is disintegrating in front of my face. Not exactly the most subtle movie at times either. So it kind of plays in these two worlds of this very kind of blunt, over-the-top, very broad visual action, which is all of the Wachowskis. And so when you're watching it, I went, oh, shit, this is the, actually the cartoon I watched when I was a kid done in live action and they're transmuting it to something else. That's when it clicked for Speed, speed Racer. Then that final race happens and then I was on the ceiling just losing my mind. Um, because, yes, it is a G-rated movie but the visuals are so intense and so groundbreaking and vibrant. You don't know. You can't kind of comprehend what you're watching against it's, like it's a, lot a of-
0: kaleidoscope with one of mm-hmm. with some of the most out there and brilliant oh, transitions from scene to scene. Yes. That no director would ever do. Like they would no. look at what the Wachowskis did in Speed Racer and be like, what the fuck are these two on? Yes. And then you look at something like a oh, Jupiter Ascending, which is the most extravagant sci-fi space opera a love story of 2015 yeah and it bombs and directors going like that's or like a studio head's going to look at that and be like that's why we don't do original ip is exactly. because look at this like oh, look tried, at what they gave us
1: we gave you it and, and it did not work so this is why but we're yet now to, continue,
0: yeah there's there's and that's what i love about our small little a part of action Twitter Yeah, is I thought I was alone in my appreciation of speed racer or, or, or Jupiter ascending. And, and, and then I find people like you and Andy and Max and James who are like, Oh no, all these movies fucking rule. And I'm like, I found my people is when you asked me, Hey, so I want to do a Wachowski double of Jupiter ascending. And either one of these movies, I was so excited. I was like, I, I was invited on a podcast to talk about oh Jupiter ascending. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and like, are we messaging all week? You know, for all your listeners and like me and you? Oh, joking about how we have been working on our Eddie Redmayne impressions. Yes, because he's. I mean, it's Eddie Redmayne. He's I, just gonna talk like this. He's and it's- to
1: talk like this, like he's an old man. And But really, it's, he looks like he's a 32-year-old. But yeah. And I then he just life. screams.
0: <laughs> so, oh, my God. Like, I told my wife oh, that I was working on my Eddie Redmayne, and she goes, I'm glad you have friends, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. I sort of said to my partner, oh, yeah, I'm doing um, Jupiter Sending for the show. He's like, oh, that's why you watched it. And then, but why? I'm like, because it's an awesome movie. He's like, it's a bit silly. I'm like, it's very silly. But that doesn't mean it's, it's very awesome. silly. But that's yeah. the point.
0: That's the but point. that's the point.
1: Yes. Um It's, yeah, because I think I did get a bit of trouble when I tried to compare it, because I was sort of watching this and going, why is Jupiter Ascending working for me? But I didn't love, oh, I can't remember what it's called, the Snack Snyder, uh, Rebel Moon, as much. because
0: I I haven't seen that yet.
1: It's both playing in the same warehouse, and I think, because I can be a little bit up and down with Snack Snyder, I think he can take himself a little bit too seriously at moments. And I think that's maybe why, but... Then I get annoyed at him because then he says, "Oh, but I have a new cut that's completely different." I'm like, "Why don't you just show me that cut? I'm probably going to enjoy the director's cut more like, than this one." And I, like, like, just show me that I, one. Don't, like, don't show me this.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to dovetail into like a side tangent or whatever. I I've enjoyed a more more Zack Snyder movies than I haven't. Yeah. Um, I actually think he's he's a standout filmmaker and he is a visionary. Like what he's able to produce in terms of visuals is great. I think sometimes his scripts are the weakest part. Yes. And. And I don't want to lump any of like our friends into this group, but the the a uh, quote unquote O Snyder cult is one of the reasons I haven't watched any of Rebel Moon yet, is because I was so turned off by every other tweet that was hitting my feed, either praising the film or acting like it's on a front. To humanity, oh, I was just like, I'll just wait until it's all kind of gone away, and then I'll go back and I'll watch it. And now finding out he's doing a director's cut, I was like, I'll just wait for the director's cut. Yeah, that's- because I actually think his director's cuts are stronger. Like a oh, sucker punch and Batman v Superman oh, and yes. Snyder cut of Justice League are th- way stronger films because they're complete; they're not edited to shit.
1: That's what I Taken away found- and handed
0: to you know, like a total monster, like Whedon was.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I felt about Rebel Moon. It wasn't because I know a lot of people are saying, "Well, it's Seven Samurai," and I'm like, "All movies are Seven Samurai." I mean, that's not. I mean, you you're preaching to
0: the choir on this one. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a Kurosawa. F-
1: and it's going to give you all the Kurosawa. What, yeah, you're going to get all the Kurosawa that you want from Rebel Moon. I just found the editing was a little bit, which is the same thing I have felt for about uh, Batman v Superman when I first saw it. I thought the editing was kind of hacky. And then I watched the other one, like, oh, no, the actual movie he wanted to make was Weird as Shit, and I love it. And same with um, Sucker Punch, Weird as Shit. Why didn't I get this one? So I shouldn't have watched it because I'm like, wait, if I'm going to get a director's cut, I would rather watch the director's cut because then he's going to allow his weirdness in. So I don't know why they keep him and Ridley Scott. Just show me your original goddamn cut. I don't care if it's four hours. Like, I'd rather see
0: the good version. I don't get it. I don't get it
1: the same argument is going to happen. Same thing with v, uh, Batman v Superman. It sucks. The director's cut come out. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, just show us the director's cut. Like, so I, mm. I am
0: a DC fanboy. Yes. I have a more Funko Pops and comic books of DC than I know what to do with. And for being such a diehard fan, seeing the oh, Joss Whedon cut of Justice League was an insult. Yes. I hate it. I, I hate that movie. And when they announced the Snyder Cut, I was like, "All right, I'll give it a shot. It can't be as bad." I think the Snyder Cut is fucking phenomenal.
1: Oh, it's great! And it
0: again proved that when Snyder is able to make the film that he wants to make, it may not always work. Like I'm not the biggest fan of Army of the Dead, but he, but I think similar to the Matrix Four, Snyder was working out some stuff in that film. Oh yes, and I appreciate it for that. Is he wrapped grief? and loss around a zombie action movie yes and he didn't have to do a director's cut he just he made the movie he wanted to make but when you look at something like sucker punch where they cut out major plot points of the film similar to the the, theater cut of bvs compared to the extended cut and then you look at the snyder cut and it's the same thing as they cut major plot points out and the movies feel very and disjointed and that's one of the critiques that i've heard of rebel moon is that it feels kind of like all over the place so that's why i want to wait for the director's cut and just see his original vision and and, to bring it back to to the to the wachowskis is that's what i love about the wachowskis is i don't know why they have such a hold over warner brothers that they're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to do there's no director's cuts there's no studio interference it's them it, and
1: it, nolan until tenet <laughs> it was um it, yeah, nolan could just do whatever he wanted it is them going yeah.
0: going we're going to make the film that we want to make we're going to no so notes. we're going to take we're going to take of oh, the matrix a hugely successful influential film we're going to make two sequels so shoot them at the same time introduce ideas of a oh, philosophy um, analogies to jesus state-of-the-art special effects that the technology wasn't ready for at the time. Nope. And Warner Brothers just goes, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's widely like- divisive, widely divisive. Then they do speed racer. Okay. Here's a hundred million dollars. Cloud Atlas, a basically unfilmable book. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, uh, Jupiter ascending. Okay. And go ahead. And then yeah. a matrix resurrections Too widely a divisive, of sequels that you either love them or you fucking hate them yes we're gonna do a we're gonna do a legacy sequel
1: that criticizes legacy legacy sequels
0: <laughs> that that oh, takes the whole idea of legacy sequels basically says f you <laughs> wrap it around a love story also letting uh, olana deal with the loss of her parents and we're going to yeah. give you $200 million. Yeah. Go nuts.
1: Go nuts. And we're not going to look at the script. We're not going to talk about the script. You just go do what you want to do. I don't know if that was the process, but that's what it feels like. Um, we might as well get into Matrix Resurrection because I have so many thoughts. Um, anything else you want to say about Jupiter Ascending before we move on?
0: Everyone who says this movie is awful, you're wrong.
1: Yes. This movie I don't want to be
0: that like, that like, out oh, to the point, but I'm sorry, you're wrong. Yeah, it's um, I fucking love this movie.
1: This movie is amazing. Eddie Redmayne is like the is the MVP. It's 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 absolutely fantastic. Eddie
0: Redmayne Eddie is Redmayne. doing something that you weren't ready for. Uh, yes, you need to catch up
1: to Eddie Redmayne's performance. You're so ready- fucking good. Oh my god, I love it. So with that, we're back. We're sitting down. The curtains are opening again for Matrix Resurrections. Chris, what is going to be your trailer for Resurrections?
0: So I might get a little bit of shit for this one cuz it's a little on the nose, but uh, my trailer is the trailer of the first Matrix film. Have you ever had a dream Neo that you were so sure was real? What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world?
1: It's the question that drives us Neo.
0: What is the Matrix? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. You are a slave born into a prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. So you're here to save the world. I'm trying to free your mind, Mia. But I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through. It seems that you've been living two lives. I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips of them and hit nothing but air. But everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed.
1: You kind of have to. I mean, this is a direct because... conversation with the Matrix, the original Matrix.
0: Because there's there's so many aspects of matrix resurrections that show scenes from the first matrix is it's basically, it's a reboot slash a remake slash a nostalgia sequel of the first movie, but done now. So, so I was debating either a last action hero for uh, the meta aspect or the trailer of the first matrix. And I decided to go uh, with the matrix one.
1: No, I mean we have talked a little about The Matrix, but it's such an important movie. And you're right. I mean, this, I mean, Resurrection is showing original footage as if it's been already constructed already. Like it's kind of in a really cool way. I mean, that's it's it's always meant to be from the video game that John Anderson made. It's this kind of really cool thing of how it's kind of reformatting and changing and kind of okay, so what is the yeah, I don't know. I really love how Resurrections takes on the original because it's often in conversation and it's mainly from the Matrix where John and Trinity are remembering to more so than the other two movies. But I think because it's a legacy um, and Lily is working through some stuff about the legacy of what the Matrix brought her rather than everything else. And But I think it's a really important trailer to show in front of. So, yeah, I think that is a perfect trailer. I mean, the Matrix is a defining movie it changed cinema and it is incredibly incredibly important to a lot of people more important than i actually ever thought when i started (laughs) talking about resurrections but we will Uh get into that okay for my trailer i am going to spoil this movie by choosing it as a trailer because this movie is also well actually i don't think it's (laughs) big it's scream 5
0: There's certain rules to surviving. Believe me, I know. They always come back. The killer is a part of something in the past. This one just feels different.
1: You're all in danger.
0: What? Where? Sydney. I've seen this movie before. Not this movie. You said we were going to finish this. Go finish it, Sidney.
1: Dead. <laughs> My trailer directed by, of course, uh, the other pair, Matt Bertinelli at o- O-plin and Tyler Gillette. I don't think Scream 5 is coming for Screen fans because I don't think Scream fans are used to such meta commentary that this wouldn't offend them. It is coming for Star Wars fans <laughs> quite a bit. Now,
0: um, uh, Star Wars fans in quotes, it's more, to more me fa- at least, toxic, taking shots. At toxic at, fandom in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. Uh-huh
1: but they do they do drop last jedi
0: yeah i um, oh boy i mean that's a discussion for another time <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I
1: mean this this one's already getting we're already getting in trouble for loving this uh resurrections um as it is but i will say that screen five is looking at fandom on why we're making legacy sequels much like this movie is and also taking pot shots at those fans who think they have an ownership over something, yeah, they
0: don't, yeah, and it's also it, like it, it, it it's kind of god, god that's such a great pick for a trailer because, like, in Scream 5, they're taking shots at the Stab franchise, and the fact that Ryan Johnson, what was it, Stab 10 or whatever, yes, eight, yes. I would, like, I've only seen Scream 5 once. Um, is he ruined it by doing this, and he here's did what time travel, I would, think. <laughs> Here's what they oh, they would have done if they were in charge. It's like it's like a, what Liam and Mike call a script watching. Yes, and and oh, the Matrix Four literally has a scene where they're talking about oh, like, no, do this new Matrix game has to be about guns? No, it has to be about love. No, it has to be about all the effects. And that's literally what Scream Five is doing as well. Is these people who are script watching, not understanding what the what the film is actually about.
1: Or the fact that they don't have ownership of it. Like, I'm guilty as anyone else for script watching occasionally. If there's a movie not working, I'll start picking it apart. Like, why isn't this working for me? Okay, if I was... Like,
0: I'm guilty of it, of doing it with Star Wars myself, where it's like, oh, I would have done this rather than just take the piece of work or art, you know, whatever you want to call it, and take it for what it is. And I was able to learn how to do that on the Matrix sequels is is two and three are not what i would have made
1: no i, I don't but think it's what anyone can, else would have made but, but i can they look not... on them
0: now and and understand and absorb what they were trying to tell me and that's what i think is so ingenious about a resurrections is it's doing that same thing but so much more meaningful and you're right scream five is trying to do that exact same thing which is no 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 you don't under you have your idea of what should be happening this is what actually happened and you just either have to learn to accept that or move the fuck on
1: exactly or because fans love these movies they know every single little detail that sometimes even the creators hadn't seen or Sometimes actors don't know because they're like, "So what about this?" And they're like, "Dude, that was like 15 years ago, and I wasn't even in that shot." I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. So fans know everything intimately. So when they a creator goes in a direction that they weren't thinking of, there's this sudden ownership that they take, and screw that's what Screen Five is about. I um and I do like Screen Five probably a little bit more than a lot of other people, but it because it is about legacy characters, it is about new characters, it's doing all these. Um, things and i like how the fact that it's going to be showing after the matrix which is like an og thing that sparked people's imaginations i mean when you watch the matrix for the first time your brain is going with fireworks because it's dealing with these ideas that you may not have completely understood but now is passed past a little way that you now understand and it's kind of incredible and i think that's what resurrections is doing it's doing that two job of like going with a lot more anger than I'll say screen five. Like screen five is just pointing and laughing a lot. The resurrection's lana's coming for you. <laughs> like she is taking it personal and she is pointing at you <laughs> when she's doing a lot of this. And
0: <laughs> and also, like, as I and, said earlier, she's dealing with the loss of her parents. Yes. Which is something that she's still obviously dealing with. And I put up a tweet after I watched The Matrix 4. I remember this. So deja vu. And yet it's obviously all wrong. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But if some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much
1: noise the matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise.
0: War. What happens to Neo? Mr. Anderson!
1: The most important choice in Neo's life is not his to make.
0: She believed in me. It's my turn to believe in her. It feels like I have been waiting my and it went kind of crazy and yeah, there were uh, there were a lot of comments that were not kind but there was one that was very a uh, very beautiful and i wish i had the user um pulled up but i don't but it basically said that like i hit the nail on the head you know with what i said which was which um and then he said but it's also it is giving two characters that she loves a second chance and a happy ending. Yes. Which is what she wished her parents would have gotten. And I read that and it hit me like in my heart where I was like, Oh, Oh Jesus. I like, and it was something that I, I had totally missed. I like, I knew she was dealing with the grief of her, of her parents, but I didn't realize she was giving them the happy ending that her parents never got. And that is so fucking beautiful.
1: It is because at the end of revolutions, both Trinity and Neo sacrifice themselves to end the matrix to beat it. So Zion is the original city um, gets a chance at life. This one, they get the happy ending that they deserve. They get to be together. And it is such a beautiful notion in that respect. And when you're watching, I mean, I love how this movie is all about Trinity. It's, she's almost the chosen one in this movie because without her, Neo was never going to be the chosen one. And that's kind of there in the original trilogy that Neo kind of makes the choice to be the one because he realizes that at the moment he's going to fight um, and he's going to fight uh, Mr. Smith and all that kind of thing. But it's also because Trinity believes he's the one and he is falling in love with her. So it's the fact that the most powerful one in the movie is Trinity makes me happy because I think that means Trinity and Carrie-Anne Moss are finally getting their flowers. And I love it.
0: Yeah, like he literally says when they're uh, on the ship, he says, I never believed I was the one. No. But she did. She believed in me. Now it's my time To, to to believe in her. Yes. That is powerful shit. Yeah. And O'Neill Patrick Harris saying that his first version of the Matrix didn't work until he realized that it wasn't just O'Neill. It was Neo and Trinity.
1: Yes. So he needs both. of them. Like, yeah, he,
0: he needs them both. And without one, it doesn't work. It won't work. It'll always fail. It's very similar to the architect scene in a reloaded when oh, the architect says that oh, the first version of the matrix was a colossal failure that humans wouldn't accept the code yeah, because there was, there was no choice involved. This goes into that where it wouldn't work without Neo and Trinity. They don't, but, Oh, the reason that eventually they fight against the program is because of choice. That's it's not thing. explicitly said, but it's what I got from it is that they didn't choose to be That's reincarnated and put in the matrix.
1: No, and I think the choice ultimately they sort of say to Neo, you never had the choice. Trinity is the one that has the choice. It's all about her. The the ending is cruxed on the fact does Trinity choose to stay in the Matrix or does she choose to leave? And it's her choice. Neo which doesn't, is, which is which the final choice
0: a parallel to all three films in the first matrix o'neil's told oh, by the oracle that he's not the one yes what and after they rescue morpheus he tells them he goes "Oh, morpheus i'm not the one he goes he goes no there's a difference between oh, knowing the path and walking the path <laughs> that is a choice when he's about to leave the subway And he stops. And Morpheus says he is beginning to believe. It is a choice that Neo is making to turn around and fight Agent Smith. Despite the fact that throughout the movie, you've been told no one who has stood to an agent has lived. Every single man, woman, or child who has stood up against an agent has died. Then it goes into Reloaded, where the architect offers Neo a choice. You go through the door on the left you are reassimilated into the matrix, and the code that you carry will start a new version of the matrix. Or or you choose the door on the right and you go to save Trinity or the love of your life, and everyone in the matrix dies? Yes. He has a choice. This time, the choice was taken out of his hands because he was brought back to life. And they literally show him being a reassembled. But he didn't have a choice, and Trinity also oh, did not have a choice. No. And when O'Neill oh, 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 is given a choice to trust her and believe in her, he makes that choice to give her the choice on whether or not she wants to stay or go.
1: Because if she stays, he's going to stay, even though they're not going to have the relationship that he wants. He,
0: he, he, he was rather- literally told.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> he's literally told oh, by and Neil Patrick Harris, if she chooses to stay, and he goes, I will stay too.
1: Yeah.
0: He even though that show.
1: They are just going to have moments in a coffee shop because- Again, all yeah.
0: four films are about choice. Yes. What does Neo say in the first one? As I said earlier in the podcast, he says he doesn't believe in fate because he doesn't like the idea that he's not in control of his own life. That ties into a Resurrections where he is in therapy and fighting against the blue pill because he's not in control of his own life. Yes. I don't know how some people don't understand why The Matrix 4 is a true sequel to the trilogy. So many people have said, oh, no, like it doesn't work because like it doesn't feel the same they're not watching the same film that I'm watching. And I hate to be that way, like, oh, you know, they're wrong. But in my opinion, this film is a true sequel. It is a remake. It is a legacy sequel. It's a reboot. It's all three of those thrown into a blender. But if you look at the themes and actually listen to the dialogue, it is a Matrix film.
1: Absolutely. But I think what people love, sorry, Matt, I know you do actually like Matrix 4, so I'm not using you as a thing but you have said your favorite movies tend to have dueling guns in a very specific style. Sorry, Bat Bledsoe. Um, I do give you shit. <laughs> but you know, I love you. Um, I think the Matrix had such a powerful style that when Matrix 4 did a completely different style, which is more in time with what Lana is how she makes movies now. I think when people go there, no, I wanted the nineties leather. I wanted the specific glasses. I wanted that feel of it and they didn't, Get it? There wasn't the same gun. There's not the same gunplay as there is in this movie compared to um the other one. The action feels very different. It's directed very differently, and I think again, sorry bringing up Star Wars, that happens a lot. If the action is very, if the style and action is different from the original trilogy, you get pushback on it. And <clears throat> so stylistically, no, it's not in line with the Matrix at all. It's a reinvention, which is kind of the point. It's called Resurrection. That's what. It's, but to me that's mm-hmm. the point but a lot of people I think um sorry to speak to Liam because he I know when it came out that action for everyone episode I think Vice and Mike I know Mike loves it and I think they were a bit more high on it yeah. and the, then but since Liam is such an action technical action focused guy he was like no I wanted a specific kind of action that I didn't get and that I can kind of understand
0: I, I but- can kind of understand Two like points. especially in, yeah, in regards to oh the fight scenes in particular. Yes, the fight scenes are way more edited than they were in the past. Yes, I think the shootout in the and development studio where the oh new Morpheus is is dual wielding. Yes, and he's got an MP five and a Beretta. That feels like classic Matrix to me. It does the the training scene in oh, the dojo with Neo and Morpheus is more edited than initially i think i would have preferred and especially with the scene with um neo and agent smith like in the underground tunnel area yes way more overly edited but i think i try to look at it this way is one a poor keanu reeves is in his fucking 60s
1: and you can tell because he's not doing that much of the action in fact his neo is tired and has bad (laughs) knees. he doesn't the whole thing is you
0: and that's one thing that I'm not sure if anyone picked up on it is when he's in the real world and he's pulled out of the Matrix, it appears to me like they aged him up a little bit. He looks more... Old. Older than I've ever seen Keanu yeah. look, especially when you see him in interviews like outside of that now is he looks way more oh younger, but they like added the salt and pepper into his hair and like he has more wrinkles and he just has this this aged aspect to it down
1: quality more than
0: because again he finds out he's been in the matrix for 60 years like when he went and sacrificed himself for peace to save the world it worked for a little bit and then they brought him back and plugged him right back in so everything that he fought for and lost he lost the love of his life was in a way it might appear to him yeah for nothing so he doesn't want to fight anymore hence why he's much more of a defensive fighter he's using his telekinesis way more than his martial arts or yes. you know the shooting and Trinity who still has that fighting spirit she made the choice to leave her husband who in the a brilliant bit of stunt casting her husband's a fucking Chad
1: an actual Chad named he Chad, is an actual Chad
0: <laughs> named Chad Played by a Chad. Who also, that is three levels of Inception Chadness that I don't think cinema was fucking ready for.
1: But also, wasn't was it okay in the original Matrix? Was he Keanu's stunt double, or was he one in, of the choreographers? In,
0: in all three films, he was yes. Keanu's stunt double.
1: Okay, so that's the extra another layer. She is with she's with a Chad. Was called Chad, who was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in all three Matrixes. I mean, fuck so,
0: me. <laughs> oh, but again. Oh, Neo's more a defensive style and wariness ties yes. into the fact that he is willing to give up if if Trinity says no. Yes. He's willing to give up. Trinity fights back. She That's has... why in the coffee shop her her martial arts are way more in line with the older films because she wants to fight. Neo that... wants to fight for her. Trinity wants to fight for everyone. That's why she's able to fly.
1: Yes, that scream she does when she finally makes the decision of "fuck you, Chad," um, "fuck you, children," (laughs) which I kind of love. Um, not that you can't be a mother; it is fulfilling. That just wasn't Trinity, and that was a cruel thing to do to her. Um, that particular character. Um, and it's this amazing um thing in that primal scream where you can see she's shattering the matrix a little bit it is so freaking cool. And when you real, cause she's not in the movie a lot, you see pieces of her and you know, this is not right. She would never be married to a Chad. Um, the fact that she's called Tiffany. I'm just like, okay. Um, and then that, which friend- is so on
0: the nose that they reference it in the fucking ending. I know. Oh, I was a little joke. of she She's breaks, like, really she Tiffany she breaks in. She breaks his fucking jaw off. Yes! because He named her Tiffany.
1: Yes. Which is, Goes, it was a personal joke and she's like i wasn't laughing it says so much about also the fact that i think um neil patrick harris knew that he needed trinity with neo to make the matrix but i think he also underestimated her and her strength because she's a woman and i think when she starts fighting back and is able to break his jaw that i think that's when he he's literally surprised
0: he references yeah. that in his office at the end of the movie, yeah, where he goes, if you would have just played a good little dog, yes, all this would have been avoided. He underestimated her because he didn't realize, as Neo finally does, that he wouldn't have been the one without her. Yes. Is NPH doesn't realize he's not the only one. It's him and her. Yes. Together.
1: they are the one one. they are the one and i which
0: which again ties into the first movie where exactly told her she would fall in love with the one and at the end of the movie when he's shot by agent smith lying on the thing oh she says i was told by the oracle that i would fall in love with the one so you need to wake up because i love you
1: you are you i've decided that you are the one so it's I how
0: like, do people not realize how much these movies connect? I, I, I don't I, know. That's physically, it blows my fucking mind.
1: It's, I think it's just because they don't like it. So they don't want it to connect and not liking this movie is fine. I didn't need to hear it 25 times On um, when I said, okay, I was going a bit hard on Twitter. I did say that I think this is the best movie of 2021. Uh, and hey, I stand by that. I, so did you. And I will got say it right idea. now.
0: This was my favorite movie of 2021.
1: This is one of my favorite This is my second
0: favorite in the franchise after the first one.
1: Oh, me too. Yeah. And I do like Reloaded a little bit more because you have Morpheus with a samurai sword on a track. Um, And I think that's cool, but it's, it is so thoughtful and it is literally telling you in metaphor in text that this is a reshaping of the matrix. Um, Watching it this time, I was kind of, couldn't help but thinking because you've got Morpheus, they recast because... I, the question about Morpheus within the Matrix universe, which I think uh, the uh, Jada Pickett, um, Smith's character hinted at, that he might be a fallen, bit of a fallen hero, that they've kind of recoded him. And now-
0: yeah. Like he even says when he meets Neo in the restroom is that you put me in a modal and you combined yourself and a Morpheus in the code. Yes. That's why this Morpheus isn't the Flora's same fish, yeah. one
1: though I would have found it fascinating if they went the whole thing with that if this whole thing is about um artificial artificial artificiality on top of artificial out of on top of artificial it would have been interesting to see what that would have looked like if the code had changed on Neo and Trinity and they were played by different actors I think if the vitriol for this movie is how it is I can't I can't imagine what it'd be like if they had done that but I think it would have, because they do, when you see Neo's reflection, it is a different guy. It is this older, more broken down man. man. And it would have been interesting man. to sort of see that actually play out as you're looking at it. Like the first scene when Jessica Henwick, who I adore in this movie, is looking oh at the Oh my God, why did
0: this movie not make her a fucking star?
1: Because they keep putting her in things like the Grey Man and give her wigs that should be worn by a 40-year-old like me. Um, that is why. Um, she is so good in this movie. F- but when when she's, she's so
0: fucking good in this movie
1: she's so good when she's watching the scene and she's like hang on something's different if they had had someone play out though I'm saying this in an alternate reality and I kind of like the fact that carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves are in this movie I'm not criticizing that even I would have been upset I think it's an interesting thought exercise to have wait something's wrong that's not Trinity it's a different actor what's going on with this code I think that would have been an interesting thing to play around with. The movie doesn't do that because even even though Lana's giving a middle finger to everyone who took the red pill idea and made it about themselves uh, and ran with it, the middle finger, I think she's smart enough to go, oh, I couldn't do that. They would come to my house <laughs> if I had done that. And they're already yeah, but, protesting as it is.
0: Oh, but again, in a way they do because they reference the fact that Oh, the matrix was able to recode the, uh, the uh, DNA signature of, 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 Neo and Trinity. Yes. Where to, to everyone else, they don't look like themselves, but for yes. the people who know them, they do look like themselves. Hence why a uh, Morpheus, he doesn't look the same, but he acts the same because it's code that Neo has written. Smith is this isn't the same Smith in some regards. Like, there's a scene where, like, the first big action scene in oh, the Game Dev Studio, you know, in the shootout, mm. where Smith comes out and you see him start to... Remember. Remember. And they show clips from a Revolutions and it's cut with when he says Mister Anderson, it's cut perfectly with Hugo Weaving saying that in three. Yes, it's like he is oh, he is awakening to who he really is, but he's still code that was written by Neo. So he's going to have that slight Neo spin.
1: Oh, okay, this is making much more sense. Yes, so uh, the, one, the one thing
0: that's why I think oh the recasting as much as I would have loved. Um, a Lawrence Fishburne and Hugo Weaving Back. I think it works in this film to the idea, to all the ideas in the film.
1: Yes, where, it, it, absolutely. Where again,
0: out of reference when... So Neo's called to the office of the of studio head. Yeah. And Smith, what is he saying? And millions of people mm-hmm. just are walking around. He's quoting agent smith from the first matrix he when he's loves
1: talking
0: it yes to morpheus and then he sits down and he goes so our parent company a warner brothers wants to do a fourth matrix and they're going to do it with or without us yes.
1: so your choice and
0: your Ma- choice
1: yeah that's what he that says that goes
0: that goes into the fact that
1: warner brothers did, did th- give them that ultimatum by the
0: way <laughs> yeah is it's widely known that Warner Brothers literally said that they were going to do a Matrix 4 with or without Lana. Lana had an idea. They said, fucking do it. The movie bombed. Like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, for how much it costs... Hold on, I'm pulling up the box office right now. No, I think which, it
1: absolutely bombed, and the reviews were very um, mixed.
0: Oh, which I knew... Which I know a movie's quality is not... Oh, no. It does not rest on its box office, but the fact that this movie costs 190 oh, a million dollars, and it had an opening weekend of ten million. Although, asterisk, it was released on HBO Max the very same day. Yes, because because people recall in in twenty twenty one, HBO and Warner Brothers they would release their films on Max and theaters the same day. Well, it was because 20- we were still in a pandemic.
1: That's what I'm gonna say. I mean, you have to still look at the fact that we're in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers had just released HBO Max. <clears> have <throat> um, whatever iteration of it was at this time. So
0: they were trying it to go was HBO Max still.
1: HBO Max still, and they were trying to go. Hey, we have the streaming service. You should subscribe. So they were doing this thing of same day theater and thing. Now they know this doesn't work because no one's going to go to the theater, and they already have paid their twelve ninety nine a month to watch.
0: I will admit freely, I, I, I watched this opening night on Friday night at my home. Yeah. Now the reason I did that is because I live in California, which is a very Heavily populated area. And I wasn't oh, comfortable at the time of returning to a theater yet.
1: I saw this in a the theater because we don't have HBO Max and they never had that. We never had got that same thing. Oh, that was an American, probably supposedly Canadian thing. Yeah. Um, so like we, we would try that. October, but everywhere else you had to go see this in
0: a theater. They had released movies at that point. I think like they had started to in like October. I didn't go till I think Spider-Man, which was the next week, I believe. But the only reason I went is because me and my wife went and we wore masks. And and normally when I go to a theater, I buy a coconut popcorn. I didn't for Spider-Man because I didn't want to take off my mask because I felt so anxious. Yeah. Because we were still uh, like, I know it was in quotes and winding down. We were still in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. So I saw the Matrix in the comfort of my own home on a Friday night. I'd asked for the night off work because I was like, it's.
1: Oh, I it know is. so many people who took in in action Twitter. I know Rob uh, Antiquera took the day off and then washed it five times. I know you took the night off. I know so many people yeah. who took work off. So they could sit
0: down Like oh, to, to Like oh, the box office gross. It had an opening weekend of 10 million and at least a domestically in US and Canada only grossed just under 40 million dollars. It 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 did better. Gross of one hundred and fifty-seven million compared to the cost of one ninety plus marketing.
1: It bombed. It it bombed. It, It did better internationally because people had to go to the theater to see it, and I think a lot of people wanted to. Though in places it was still not possible to go to go see it. I definitely did go see it. I know the first movie I saw was Wonder Woman. The second one. Um, a movie that at the time I loved because I was sitting in a movie theater with a mask and I was yeah. happy. I was back like, at the movies. I think it was one of the, because Melbourne had a thing where it was open, close, open, close, open, close. Um, Cause we'd have these pockets of like no infections. And then all of a sudden they would be all the infections. And, and then, so at the time I was loving it and then I rewatched it. I'm like, oh yeah
0: (laughs) i I had the the spell
1: of i'm outside again and i'm happy but when i I had the exact same
0: thing (laughs) i watched it on max actually and the first time i watched it i was like man this was really good and then i watched it again and i was like well i was like i don't do drugs but was i on drugs because this is not good this
1: is not good i'm just watching this going what was i was trying to show my partner i'm like oh my god i've made a huge mistake (laughs) what have i done um it's, it, it, yeah. So I think, so I was curious to see if Matrix Resurrection fell into that, hey, I'm outside. I'm able to go to a movie theater and watch this this movie. Um, I've, watched it, I've watched it a few times since. I'm like, no, no, no. This movie still holds up for me. But I think you have to, There, I don't know, But the thing is, I don't know if it would have done better because it's such a divisive movie or if it would have been a slightly higher weekend or what. I don't think I it would. I think was. personally,
0: I don't th- I think that Warner Brothers overestimated how hungry audiences were for another Matrix film. Yes, um, I know. Like a good majority of us in action Twitter adore it, and for all good measure, I don't think that general audiences wanted another Matrix film.
1: No, I think, and yeah, I think studios get very confused about what social media wants opposed to normal people. I think mm-hmm. there's a very
0: and here is, here's a clear, obvious oh, front runner for that is hardcore fans like myself were like inject this movie into my veins. Like yes. I saw the first two trailers. I watched them on repeat. I like I probably seen the second trailer of the Matrix A Resurrection's probably a about good trailer.
1: Times. It's such a good trailer.
0: Because it it brought back that magic that I felt the first time that I saw that trailer for the first Matrix. And I was like, holy shit, dude, they did it again. Yeah. And then oh, the movie comes out divisive as all fuck and i'm like okay i remember what this feels like because i saw the matrix sequels opening weekend
1: and you've also so you know this exactly yeah
0: and you know and then you get on social media and you're like wow everyone fucking hates this movie and then you see how much it made opening weekend and you're like oh no one was asking for this except for that small group of people
1: it's like morpheus it's it bombed when it came out and then everyone started making fun of it even those who hadn't seen the movie they just thought the concept was funny so there was all these memes going around they thought oh wait maybe we should put it back in theaters and people go see it no they didn't want the movie they were just making fun of it there's a difference and it's 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 so and social media isn't a real representation of real life there are two completely and it's very easy to get sucked down into the wormhole and go this is real life like the matrix and
0: i i would much rather have this film than whatever warner brothers was going to attempt to do
1: oh my god yes
0: a warner brothers doing a matrix four without lana would have been whatever it turned out to be instead what we got was a film that on a personal level and deeply affects me. It does. And it's a deep, like in the matrix one, I didn't show emotion of that regard other than like elation. And the second one, the same thing. The third one was, was a different vibe in terms of emotion, but part four, there are numerous scenes where I cried. I legit cried in this movie. I think that when he calls out for her and she calls out for him and they touch hands in the cafe that is beautiful because it's not just them a reuniting and and remembering who they are it's the power of their love yes so powerful that it blows everyone away and hey. the final shot of this movie oh not to jump ahead but when she thinks oh um oh um oh oh the analyst yes and he goes he goes oh for what and she goes a second chance and you hear the beats of a cover of a raids against the machine song which is the exact same song from the end of the first matrix but instead of neo flying away it's trinity and neo
1: yes handed on and the
0: twirl against a like a one perfect shot of sunset right as they touch fingers it cuts to black i was sobbing it's sobbing i think it is beautiful because knowing what lana was going through this is her characters having a second chance it is and it's and a beautiful. and this one. isn't the ending that warner brothers would have given us no it's not not at all I've, I have
1: not seen the second Space Jam, and I don't want to, but I got a sneaking suspicion that matri- their Matrix would have been very similar to that.
0: One hundred percent. I I saw Space Jam: A New Legacy, and this is what we would have gotten. Yeah, is they would have misunderstood what fans wanted from a legacy sequel, which in some ways I think this isn't what what the fans wanted no, to God begin no. with. Hence why it hence why it bombed. But when you look at legacy sequels, this ranks to me, at the cream of the crop, even higher than something oh, like Top Gun Maverick, which is a great film. But I think this is so much, there's so many layers to this movie. Love, loss, a resurrection, grief, a belief, choice, fate. There's so many aspects of this movie in two hours and 20 minutes.
1: And plus this movie is like the original, like I don't think because the matrix is so well known and so well beloved. I don't think it gets as enough credit as being as weird as it is. I mean, the whole idea of, well now being in a computer is kind of a normal idea, but just the whole idea of it and how it was structured and everything like that is so strange. Like when uh, Neo is in the interrogation room for the first time with Smith and he's like sewing his mouth shut, is real kind of really cool Mm -hmm. surreal moments. This movie is very weird in terms of how it's styled, how it's shot sort of some of the concepts, the fact that Neo isn't the hero. Every single time he tries to be a hero, he kind of fails. The fact when he goes to, I can't remember what the new city is. It's not Zion. It's something else. It is...
0: He's not welcomed back. He's not welcomed back. arms.
1: It's, time has passed too long for him to be a part of society. Time has passed him by. He's kind of like um, Van Winkle who fell asleep on the trade, woke up, and now he doesn't understand the world he's in. That's Neo. He doesn't... He's not welcome. Um, Morpheus is now seen as a fallen hero of sorts. He's not, he's got a big statue erected to him, but there's a way that Jada S- Pinkett Smith talks about him, that you've got the feeling that
0: he, he, he's wasn't. Not,
1: he wasn't the hero that he was portrayed by an earlier generation. Now new generations are looking at him going, yeah, it wasn't so great, was he? He made, he was too um, too ze- zealous." He was too much of a zealot. He was too strict in his He was too ideals. stuck in his
0: own ways, hence exactly. why they never, like, the, it took his death for them to leave Zion. Yes. He would never have worked with the machines or the digital codes like they do in the new city because he couldn't see past his choice Which again. Is-
1: kind of how some his- historical heroes are now seen because if you put them in for the today's context they're not going to work they're going to look at this and go well no we should be doing it like we did 60 years ago and I was like ooh remember 60 years ago not good so i think there's a little bit of that to his character he's not held up as this big reverence like he is in the f- in the original trilogy where he is almost as he is as big a hero as
0: neo when is when he comes out in zion for like oh the speaker portion, and like the um oh, the council member goes I bring you Morpheus and everyone starts blowing the fuck up cheering, you know, and he has this very very impassioned speech about how like oh the council members want me to lie to you but I won't do that and he gives this very almost a dictatorish loud loud speech. About. But he's, just,
1: he's kind of the strong man that we have to be pure. We have to keep things how they are. Um, yeah. And yeah. so
0: you know that after he lost his two best friends in the entire world, what does he tell Neo right before Neo says goodbye? Is yeah. Neo tells him and the pleasure sir, it was an honor. Yeah. And Morpheus tells him no and the honor is still mine. And they hug and when oh, the machines leave, what does Morpheus say? He says, is this a dream? Yeah. I've dreamed of this moment. Is this real? And, um, and Niobe hugs him and says, oh, thank you, Neo. And that's the last shot that we see of Morpheus is him hugging on Niobe with tears in his eyes, realizing that they have at least in some way won. But if you think about it, is he going to really change his mindset? They've reached a tentative peace with the machines. Yes. Where the Oracle literally talks to the architect and the architect says, how long do you think this piece is going to last? Yeah. And the and the Oracle says it will last as long as it needs to. Yeah. What happens in the Matrix Resurrections? That piece lasted as long as it it needed to. Yes. And then the machines turned on each other and Morpheus wasn't willing to change again. He made a choice to not grow as a person
1: or with, what as, happened, which I think this is why I died. think there's, yes, I think there's a, I mean, as much as Lana is working through things and I think, the matrix like it the star wars would be for george lucas is a hard legacy to have because it is error defining it is pop culture filmmaking everything kind of changing um and to have that i mean i can i can see why lily didn't want to come back she was like yeah i'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole i can't this is going to be too hard it's a hard legacy to have because you are now art is meant to go out into the world and it is meant to be interpreted by the fans. Once you put your art into the world, it changes because it's no longer yours. And I fully believe that. But I can imagine Lily sitting there as a trans woman looking at those red pill motherfuckers then in incels, taking The Matrix and turning it into this kind of broy thing when you watch The Matrix as queer as hell. I mean, it's fluid. It's kind of just watch the friggin', um. Uh, orgy rave scene in uh, Reloaded. It's Reloaded. anyone
0: who did not understand in '99 <laughs> oh, that the Matrix was a queer allegory is dense as fuck. Yes, and I think now, it is. Has- I saw it in '99, and even I understood oh, yeah. that then. And, and I've grown to understand and try and be as supportive as I possibly can to the LBGTQ community. And at the time, I didn't understand that because this was in 99. Yeah. Now, looking back, I'm like, oh, no, that's 100% what she was doing. And it's full front in the Matrix Resurrections.
1: Text. And so I think she kind of had to go, okay, so you didn't get it in 99. You think it's this, which I can understand. You watch a movie from your own point of view. So you're going to kind of see what you're going to see. But in Resurrection, she's like, no, 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 this is a... Queer text. There's so I'm just going to make it so queer that I think <laughs> I think it's making Literally
0: the scene of Christina Rishi who pops up for one scene and I was yes. like, speed racer reunion.
1: Awesome. Yep. That's what that's what I thought. Speed racer reunion. Yay! She's
0: talking to like all the uh, department heads. Yeah. And I looked them up. Andrew Lewis, who plays Jude. Yeah. What does he keep saying? It's no. All the Matrix is, is Bam, 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 all the bullet Bullet time, time. bullet time, bullet time,
1: bullet time. We need to redo bullet time. Yeah.
0: And then, and then another character goes, no, it's a trans allegory. Right. And someone else goes, oh no, it's an allegory for this. She's taking what the fans have used on social media for years in regards to the matrix and assigning those points to a character on screen. Yes. And people could not fucking deal
1: in the theater, I was giggling my ass off because I saw exactly what she was doing. And I'm just like, oh, oh my oh, God. Oh. That's
0: why That's Jeez. why the first time I saw this movie, about halfway through, I paused and I was like, and I texted oh, my buddy Phil Barrett, who's on Twitter with us. And I go, dude, this movie's fucking brilliant. And he goes, yeah. And he goes, goddamn, this script. And I'm like, holy fuck. Lana was saying Everything that was on her mind, she was telling the studio, she was telling the fans she was working through grief and love and everything that she was experiencing as a trans woman in our society in 2021 at like she was putting all that out on screen in a mega budget sci fi action blockbuster and so many people. Now, if you don't like the movie because oh you don't like the movie, that's fine. Yeah. But if you're talking about it from a script level and not understanding the do the levels of nuance that are in this script, I'm sorry. I then I disagree with you. Especially when the i are level, not known for their subtlety. This is magnificent. I, I think this is the best script that they've that has come from are the yeah. Wachowskis. I truly mean even more so than the first Matrix, because this is dealing with so many more themes and ideas. And it's fucking brilliant. What I said was after I watched this movie. Is I tweeted everything I said in 2021 still stands, but even so much more so. Alana wrote and directed one of the most uh, visually stunning, uh, thought-provoking, action-packed, and love stories ever filmed. A meta take on reboots, remakes, a uh, legacy sequels, a uh, uh, philosophy, fate, and love. A masterpiece.
1: Yes. Because even though Lana obviously has difficulty with its legacy, she still loves those characters. You can fully tell the way Trinity's written, the way Neo's written, the way Morpheus is written. The way even Jada Pinkett Smith is written as this kind of woman who's very used to power, doesn't want this old power coming in because it means going it back. It means that everything to...
0: will change. And she even says that.
1: Yeah, She's, she says. She goes. Yeah, she I know. Goes, I'm all the Matrix
0: pumps, voice. pumps so much noise into your head. And, it, and there's only one thing that makes that same noise. And Neil looks at her and she goes, war. She's She's terrified. Of war, and Neo because means she knows war. what she lost. She lost Morpheus. He didn't die in the war against the machines. He died after because of the machine war against the machines. Yeah, he he was at war with himself and unable to move on. And she lost him. Yes, she doesn't want that coming back.
1: No, and um, that's like what the more Neo... I talk
0: about the movie. The more I'm able oh, to pull from it, and individual scenes, and it makes me love it even more. I truly think that this is one of the most brilliant of oh, blockbusters of the last like five years.
1: It's and so in, tw-
0: in twenty years, how people look back on the Matrix sequels, we're going to be looking at Matrix Resurrections in the I same way and realizing Lana wasn't <clears throat> like, oh, Lana was ahead of her time. She's straight a, up
1: the way that she's kind of. I mean, yeah, she's turning the actual footage of the Matrix which apparently were events that did happen into a video game that was invented to kind of put context into what you're seeing now. And, okay, the biggest thing I always had with this as I thought Jonathan Groff was too pretty for Agent Smith. I am now with peace with, peace with that because I love his performance as Smith. He's a little bit more, yeah. he's a little stinker in this movie. Like when not, he, he realizes he's an old- Not to sound
0: like this is, this is a derogatory term. So like, I want to put that out. Yeah. Jonathan Groff plays it very gay. Oh god, yeah. And it so does Neo Pedro Harris. <laughs> because which they
1: are both gay men, you, so that would make sense. But
0: yeah. If you watch the original trilogy, there is a love-hate relationship with Neo and Agent Smith. There is. In the second one, what does he do when he walks up to the secret meeting? I I'm here to think Neo. He set me free. Yes. They're the antithesis of each other. Neo's code. Will free the matrix. Agent Smith's code will destroy it. They're two, uh, they are two different coins.
1: Yes. What I love is when this,
0: he's the same way. He literally teams up with him to fight against the matrix, which is what Smith did in two and three. He was a virus. I don't know how much more obvious Olana and Lily had to write Smith. in two and three, he literally can absorb and take over other programs. He yeah. is a computer virus.
1: And I love how, when he realizes that he's kind of been trapped by the matrix again, how not mad, he's just indignant. He's just like, you motherfucker. Like,
0: <laughs> hence why he teams up yes. to take down the analyst because he's like, no, no, no motherfucker. This is my choice.
1: Yes. I got a choice and I like having my choice. I like being a little stinker. So I'm going- He th-
0: likes being free. He yes. literally thanks Neo in the second one. Thank you for setting me free.
1: So therefore I'm now a virus to exist in this computer system. It is, I mean, I still have to watch- Come uh, on, people! <laughs> I still have to watch uh, Revolutions because that's the movie that always slips out of my brain. Like, I don't know why. Like, I always get, but I really love her, but I need to watch through again- but yeah, she they are just continuing things from the f- from the trilogy to this one. And it is as if this analyst recreated this matrix because he wants to play I love how every single time you think you're in a dream sequence and you see the cat it's like this cat's like a little per- corrective program. It's 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 awesome. It's deja vu. Um, Same deja the first vu. one. Exactly and
0: its name it, is deja vu
1: yes yeah i know it's like this movie is subtle and very not subtle at the same time i mean the fact that I mean, the ha- coffee
0: shop is named assimilate
1: <laughs> the fact that they ha- um two very prominent gay entertainers uh and actors neil Patrick harris and jonathan groff were put in this movie and probably told by lana I don't mean to say this in a derog- derogative way, to gain it up. And they do. And I think it makes the movie stronger because it is sitting that subtext of what this actual <laughs> thing is. And they do it so well. And both actors can do, they're both very, very talented actors. But just the way that um, Neil Patrick Harris, even from the first, uh, we don't use this, the word crazy here, he's using all this, therapeutic technical mumbo jumbo to try and confuse Neo and he's almost twirling his fake mustache (laughs) doesn't have this imaginary mustache while he does it is with the friggin' is he is he holding tea or am I just imagining he's drinking tea? I don't think he is. Um that's how evil he's playing it. I think he's holding like a tea like get out. Um even
0: in the climax. (laughs) Yeah. When she slices his throat and then snaps her fingers and brings it back and he goes, ow. Yes. Neil Patrick Harris, again, to pull it back to Jupiter, sending he is doing an Eddie Red. He knows the assignment. Yes, he knows exact. He's supposed to be playing a version of the Architect, but so much more arrogant and cocky yes. because because his version of the Matrix has produced so much more energies and like and people are resisting the urge to escape again choice. He's removed choice from this version of the Matrix, and it's working so much more so than the version that the architect had.
1: Well, no, because he's looking he at is, Joey Pants of the first one is, eating a steak and went, I need to make the world the steak. I need to make ignorance. I need to make the whole thing ignorance is bliss.
0: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> like he, 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 literally, he literally, He literally he's spouting it as like... How he's playing it and some of his dialogue is very much in line with he is of the corporate speak. Yes. Which he's saying, saying and my productivity was through the roof. Yeah. But again, to repeat what I said, because he removed choice. The Architect says in in, two, um, in the climax of two that the reason that the first Matrix failed was because of choice. So they introduced choice. What did it lead to? Peace and war. Yes. So the analyst removes choice and his numbers are through the roof because, as you said, ignorance is bliss. So when Neo and Trinity are awakened, they say, we're going to change a few things. I'll paint the sky with rainbows. Yeah. Choice. They're bringing it back. This and, all four movies are saying very similar things that all connect.
1: Yeah, I mean, even at the end when um, the Matrix makes the sky fall with people, like they can turn people are so insurmountable they can turn them into. I'm just going to throw myself off a building to try and kill Neo and Trinity and all the other Matrix crew. It is because
0: um, yeah, he has choice.
1: Yes. Um, because they completely removed the choice. And this version, it works. I mean, every time Neo tries to step off a building, which, by the way, please don't do that. Um, And it's when Bugs see him do that, where she finally sees him because he's making a choice. Very dark choice, by the way. And because yeah. I'm not, Even after the original Matrix, people hurt themselves because I thought, oh, if this is just the Matrix, I can do anything. No, 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 no. You don't do that. No, please don't do that.
0: Please yeah, don't, please do, don't that. do that.
1: But... But Lana's sort of saying when he makes a choice to do something, that's when people see who he really is. And that converts Bugs. I think even though you do have Morpheus in there, I think Bugs is much more the Morpheus um, surrogate in this movie. She's the true believer. And I think that is really interesting because Morpheus is just like going, well, I've been made and that's kind of shitty. So uh, I'm a computer. So how do I deal with this? Like he's got his own. Yeah.
0: I, I, I'm sorry if I slaughter her name and Priyanka Chopra. Oh yeah, who plays the the adult version of Sati? Yes. When they are doing the plan at the end, she literally says, "It's not up to Neo now; it's Trinity's choice." And yes. not to keep repeating that word, but choice is a big element of the Matrix series.
1: Always has been. Neo chose to be the one. Trinity chose to fall in love with him. Um, Morpheus chose Neo, even though he chose to believe. Chose to believe because he is the zealot and he is the one who believes wholeheartedly. Because if he doesn't believe, then everything falls apart. So he has to believe. And also in the second one,
0: when um, the head of the military, um, I'm drawing a blank on his Mm -hmm. name he is chastising a and he says not everyone chooses to believe what you believe and Morpheus says says and my choice is oh don't need them to yeah like I'm just like kind of shrugging right now going like I like I I don't understand why people don't of like this movie. Oh, maybe from an action standpoint, I guess I can kind of understand why because the action isn't as solid as the previous three films, but it's not oh, meant to be this action packed a oh, Matrix 2 and 3 style film. No, it's it not. It has so much more on its mind to say and when we do get the action like at the start, oh, with bugs which mm. is fucking rad.
1: I love that or, scene so much. Yeah.
0: Or in oh, the game dev studio or the fight with the Merovingian who comes back spouting nonsense. Oh,
1: my God. I love them so much.
0: He's he's like a basically a homeless man. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And he's just spouting pop culture phrases and keywords and hashtags well, that, that make no sense.
1: Well, aren't they kind of meant to be an older version of something that somehow got into the mainframe and they're not compatible? Isn't that what they are? Am I remembering something? Yeah, yeah. So of course that's that's what he's going to do. I mean, hashtags are so 10 years ago. (laughs) And
0: that fight scene is fucking rad. Yes. Yes, dude, the Neo and Smith fight isn't as well done because of the editing. But I think also is poor Keanu's done since... I was shooting on Matrix 4. He did three John Wicks. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, the boy has
0: bad knees. I mean. So it's like, people... so they did that. But then it dovetails into a fantastic and motorcycle chase. Yeah. Which again, anime is fuck because he's using his telekinesis. She's using the motorcycle as a weapon, which is fucking straight out of goddamn Akira. Yep. And it's awesome, and then it leads to the rooftop where he's blocking the helicopters, and then they do the most insane, real life jump off a skyscraper that you've ever fucking seen that they did for real.
1: Yeah, that's what there's no other- CG in that. Nope, they just had them on wires. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you old oh, man! I would have to trash my stunt
0: team. So, ex- like, again, I don't understand uh, why people. Uh, and don't like it from an action point, but I can kind of see it maybe. But again, I think that the name of the Matrix, it goes into oh, the game dev part where they are talking about all the keywords and action and all the dual wielding, is people think of the Matrix as just action films. I think which if you it. want to, you totally can. You totally can, you can see them as just action films. But if, and not to get like super fucking nerdy, even though I have been for this last like 45 minutes, is all four of the Matrix films have so much more to say. They are movies with on a text. script level that if you just oh, peel the curtain back one layer, you'll find there's so much more on their minds than just action. And Lana took that and put it at the forefront of Resurrections in a way that as you said it's not um oh subtle in any way shape or form it, in the first three it very was kind of subtle like you know uh, the trans allegory yes. and a religion and faith and uh,
1: i mean when i first watched were, the matrix i didn't get the track i knew were, it was kind of queer i just didn't know about the tra- trans allegory until way much later i think that's when lana had come out as there's there's went oh okay but yeah, then they but, she kept but, to a transition yeah but it was very all very quiet.
0: It, it was all under the surface. Yeah. In this, because she's out and proud of who she is, mm-hmm. and the cast and crew obviously being accepting of who she is. Yes. She was able to use that newfound strength. Or maybe not a newfound, but the strength that she had discovered in herself to put at the forefront of this movie is powerful shit. Yes. And I don't think audiences were expecting it or ready for it. Hence why it's so divisive, and hence why it bombed. Well, but I th- again,
1: also I think that the Matrix original Matrix has been seen as such masculine energy, which I would argue you could argue against. Like I don't think it's as completely as that but I think it was seen as such a masculine energy because it was referencing John Woo. It was doing, um, anime Hong Kong
0: cinema, Hong
1: Kong cinema, yeah. which Hong Kong cinema, very, very masculine. I love, and I'm not saying that as a criticism. I love freaking love Hong Kong cinema. So it, but it is a masculine form of filmmaking. And I think that, so when you turn resurrections, which is so feminine, like it is beautifully feminine to, to that kind of Who are of thing, the
0: strongest characters in, in resurrections? it's trinity trinity bugs it's asati and bugs yeah they're the and and who's in charge of this new city
1: it's niobe the the
0: four strongest characters in the film are women
1: yeah this has such feminine energy and to have that which i proceed i mean people accept barbie because barbie's always been feminine that's just okay that's the late that's the woman's thing to have matrix which the first one i think yeah
0: i think not to and disagree with you because i agree in many ways on the first one but i think that is a surface level because if you oh i I agree
1: i totally agree yeah
0: if you look at it trinity is just as strong as neo in the first film outside of being able to dodge bullets and to fly Yes. Who has the first major action scene? Trinity. A Trinity. She escapes three agents who were later told no one who has ever stood their ground against an agent has lived. Yes. Who who goes into the lobby scene? She literally, she she tells Neo when they're about to go into the lobby. She goes, I I know that Morpheus means more to me. Oh, then he does to you so i'm going with you and if you don't like it you can go to hell she kills just as many agents in the lobby and on the roof as as neo does
1: i think in the matrix <sighs> trinity is always even part of the one like it makes it very explicit in the first movie you will fall in love with the one okay so you're the strength. one because i've decided so and she is his strength i think they just had to make it so explicit in the because i think there's a thing about perception and it always goes to this really weird binary of girls like girls things boys like boys things and i think there was this perception in 99 that matrix had more masculine energy which i don't think it does you go back and watch it
0: no it I, it's not i there. agree 100 percent. because again as you said her strength and her choice at the end bring back neo who's dead yes he flatlines yes he's fucking he is as dead as disco Yes, he is. Her strength and her power that she's shown through the two-hour movie is what revives him.
1: Exactly. What
0: oh saves him in Resurrections? Her choice and her strength.
1: Yes, and, but I think in the Resurrections, it's just much more blatant. They just went, "Oh no, this, Very this much is so. this is Trinity's story. This isn't Neo's story necessarily." Even Bugs's kind of arc is realizing that. She's worshiping Neo at the beginning, and then by the end, she is being told, no, this is actually Trinity's choice. This is at this is actually Trinity's story.
0: Her strength is able to help save Trinity. Yes. She literally uh, like when she does the shake, it shows them both. Yes. Because that's how that is the strength of Bugs. Yes. So Bugs is. Even in two and three. Who saves Neo? When they're flying the ship and Smith has fucking seared out his eyes. Trinity.
1: Trinity. So I think, yeah, that has always been in the movies. Yeah, this time I've said this, they just make it more blatant in this one because this is much much more a forward, this is feminine. And I think- Very much so. When you are changing the perception of what people think something is, I think that can go, oh, hang on a minute. I thought I was going to get this energy from it no actually but when you go back and watch it you're like oh no it's always been there it just wasn't
0: yeah and I think talking through it with you has kind of helped me understand why maybe this movie did not work for people I don't agree with it I don't agree but it's not my place but it's not my place to agree whether or not you like a film or not I mean I know I joke like like at the end of our Jupiter Ascending talk with, oh, if you didn't like this movie, you know, I'll get the fuck out. You don't get but, cinema. <laughs> of oh, something as, <laughs> oh, like, as as philosophical and as meaningful and as oh, thought-provoking as Matrix of Resurrections, everyone's going to take oh, oh, what they can from it and what they want to from it.
1: And not and everyone I think- wants to go to a movie and have that... De- Thoughtful philosophy behind it. They want the dill weeding guns. I mean, go back to uh, John Woo's latest movie, Silent Night. A lot of cris- criticism I had is there's not not enough dill weeding, uh, dill wielding of, of guns. And if that's and to be look, you know, if that's what you want from a John Woo movie. That is what you want. I'm not even going to criticize that because that is cool. He was doing something a bit different in that movie, and he is an artist who likes to push boundaries. Same with the, like the Wachowskis. So I think, look, all the people who dissed me on Twitter, I've not even read them, so I don't care. Um, go ahead, that be that person. That is your choice, and now you have you have to live with yourself.
0: Again, choice choice it's a choice you don't
1: have to go and tell me I'm an idiot but you did um and look I already know I am so you're not saying anything I don't know but it is um it is a choice of what you take out of a movie and I loved the feminine elements I loved the fact that it was I kind of loved the messy editing not so much in some of the action scenes I do agree with you on those points I don't think Lana cared about the... Which makes me think, oh, is Lily the more action-centric one of the two? And Lana's the more philosophical? Like that? I'm more... Now am wondering about the
0: dynamic. Again, this movie goes to choice. Yes. Lana is giving you the choice to take from this movie what you want to. Yes. Not what she wants you to. What you want to. Yes. And personally, what I took from this movie is a lot i did you've heard me talk for an hour about how much this movie has meant to me on a personal level i'm a straight a white dude in the u.s in california i'm about as cliche as they come and what i took from this movie is something so powerful that at the end i was in tears yeah that is a choice that i made you can uh, watch this movie and be like I didn't like it because I chose to not like the action. I chose to not like the message. I chose this or that. I personally chose to absorb everything that Lana had to say. And on this rewatch, oh, that I did for the podcast, I took even more from it and realized, yes, I was right. This movie's a fucking masterpiece.
1: It is and, kind of a masterpiece. I think it's I a masterpiece. Think, yeah.
0: And I think uh, similar to the sequels, there's going to be a revisionist history in 10 to 15 years where this movie is going to pop up on some streamer. Someone's going to make a tweet. And all of a sudden, everyone's replies are going to be like, man, yeah, this movie fucking ruled. And I'll be sitting here the same way that I was during the Matrix sequels going like you guys weren't there when it came out. The same way that I am with the Star Wars prequels and all this revisionist history about how the prequels are amazing and everyone loved them at the time. No, I was there when they came out and no one liked them it's oh, gonna no. be the same way on matrix four
1: i'm still confused by that look i don't hate the prequels as much as i did i do have a weird appreciation for them but i'm still like same the clone the tech of the clone still has you bouncing around the room like he's a basketball really
0: <laughs> so see, but again we were there at yeah. that time and now we see 20 years later that there's a revisionist history the same way where like when a Resurrections came out and everyone was like, man, dude, this should have been like a reloaded and revolutions. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold the fucking phone. (laughs) You hated those movies movies when they came out and now they're fucking great because because (laughs) you don't like this new movie. No, 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 no. Listen here. Oh, young buck. I'm going to pull the age card and be like, you weren't there. Oh, you didn't have to walk up. a walk to school 10 miles in the snow kind of fucking bullshit and we're gonna be doing that same thing in like 10 years on this movie i know it i know it
1: i think it is i mean the wachowskis have already been embraced by the queer community um anyone i mean yeah it's a sort of a wavelength thing i think it's a a style thing i think with this movie more than anything else um yes there's people who are hateful are always going to hate this movie but Again, it's your choice to be hateful. Um, but I think it, to see Trinity and Neo fly off into the sunset hand in hand, I think was kind of what I wanted at the end of Revolutions. But because that movie is so much more of the Jesus um fanboy or the Jesus um fanfiction kind of thing, they have to um
0: Oh Neo is literally pulled away and he's in a cross position.
1: Yeah. They he's, have to... he
0: sacrificed. He he sacrifices himself and turns into a glowing cross of yellow light.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was what the story they were trying to tell at that time. And that is what their imagery they were obsessed with. Lana's going, actually, but what if Trinity and Neo got to be together and be happy? Um, What if that story existed? And then she did it because again, she was dealing with the death of her parents and going, what if they had the happy ending? What if they got a second chance? And... Kind uh-huh. of got uh-huh. to not worry about the bullshit, bullshit that surrounded everything, and it's such a beautiful moment to sort of see them hand in hand. And it kind of goes, I'm probably as cynical as the next person, but when you show me something like that, I'm like, oh, that makes me so happy. They they get to, they get to be together. Nothing is stopping them. They get to go into f- to make their own future. So it's so literally it's on wonderful.
0: this last rewatch, when I got to that moment again, you know, like I said, the first time I saw this movie. I w- when that moment hit, I was a f- f- ugly, crying mess. When it hit this time, I was an ugly, crying mess, and I literally hit a rewind and watched it three more times. <laughs> yes. Just that moment of her saying a second chance and them flying off against the sunset and touching hands. Yeah. And that's where the movie ends.
1: It shows that kind and of maturity... Lana- a little bit as well, because when they were younger, they had to do that. No, they must sacrifice themselves. They must be Jesus Christ. Now it's like resurrection means a second chance. <laughs> that is great.
0: <laughs> I, I, I can't, I mean, obviously like, oh, your listeners have heard me, a wax on and off for, you know, the better part of an hour and how much I fucking love this movie. I it's think it is wonderful. Beautiful. Yeah, it is wonderful. I, 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 I can't thank you enough for letting me talk about this oh, movie. Thank you. Every so time much I for come on, me. oh, you just let me talk about movies that I love. <laughs> oh,
1: that's that's great. I mean, I will get you one for something you hate, like the holiday special for Star Wars, if you really want. But no, it's it's always a joy to hang out and talk, especially these kind of movies that open up so much and have, have such a so rich richer text.
0: I think I think that we need to do another Harlan Hive episode. We do, yes. Because because I-
1: i am hearing good things about the Brooklayer.
0: <laughs> I I, I kind of want to watch it, and then we could do something else. Oh yeah, like oh we could do cliffhanger.
1: Yes, like do, regular do Joe Harlan double. Yeah, regular Joe Harlan double. Like, well, so I I'd always love the fact when Saloon tried to play a regular Joe, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like you are not regular people. Stop. Well, he's actually climbing right. mountains, so he's not. Um, <laughs> but no, that's it. Might have to be the next one because that will be a blast.
0: I'm down. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And before we go, please tell people where they can find your good work.
0: Uh so if you want to follow me, I mostly tweet about Star Wars. Uh every now and then I'll have a I guess a hot take on a film that causes people to blow up my mentions. Um I'm at Ginger Dome on Twitter. I refuse to call it the other thing. Yep. Um I I'm actually at Gingerdome on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads. I don't use those as much. There's just too many. There is. To be totally honest. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Gingerdome81. But if you want to follow my all new Star Wars podcast that I do with two of my very best friends, um, just look up at Scum Imperial or at Imperial Scum on any social media. You'll find links to our show. Um, we're going to sit down. At time of this recording, we're sitting down a tomorrow for uh, our year in review of Star Wars. And it's just three guys in their 40s talking about like their all time favorite franchise and making a lot of jokes. If it comes to Mark, there are a lot of inappropriate jokes. So the show is very not <laughs> yes. safe for work. Um, um And also, oh, you'll get to hear Andy just be super positive and he's the absolute best and I love him. Andy and is course, great, but, and so is Mark.
1: Both of them are great. They are—they uh, kind of like the um, caramel and salt. I think is probably the best way to describe those two. Like the salty and the sweet. Um, and you're kind of yeah, the, the Bind and, the and, chocolate binds and, them all together. Yeah.
0: And yet, like other oh, chemistry is just off the fucking charts.
1: Well, salted caramel is amazing, so Yes. Um, so it's like.
0: But yes, I just want to thank you again for the awesome double. Um, I. i i I love the wachowskis i i i do i've proven it over this episode and yeah
1: yeah no this was
0: just just i can't thank you enough lindsay thank you it's always
1: a blast hanging out this was no exception i can't wait to have you back on especially for another harlem hive um yeah but shock and all you can find all the pods as usual please listen to imperial scum because it is so worth it it's really great um, you can follow me on either Reading Geek or on or Schlock and All One on all the socials that you know—Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd—all the ones that Chris mentioned, uh, Blue Sky, so many of them. And we will be back with another double feature. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>